the whole show is pretty fucked up, but in a perfect way. I think I'd want to see. He walks in and one guy jacking off, and the guy wants to like finish before he starts wrestling. And are they actually doing one point stuff? Are they just simulating it? (laughs) I believe it is just. What in the hell? (laughs) (laughs) So I I thought they were just fucking around, but now I see the tights down, and I'm like, oh wow. Welcome to another edition of Project Rewatch. We continue to steam full speed ahead toward the Volunteer Slam, or whatever Bob Caudle chooses to call it, because he fucks the name up quite a bit. I am your host, The Crust, a.k.a. Crust Mantel, joined as always by the one and only Bob Cuddle. <laughs> you remembered. I'm so I proud. Good memory. And the one, the only, Flying Jew Cornette. Oh, it's the Flying Jew Cornette now. All right. I'm going to have my mystery tag team tonight. It's not a mystery. I I can't really work in anything for the Louisville Slugger or whatever the hell his nickname is, so you'll just have to still be somewhat aeronautical. As long as I can put tennis rackets up asses. (laughs) You have to wear fucking bright red pleather outfits that sparkle. I'm not going to lie. I saw that outfit, and I was like, where can I get one? (laughs) I'm sure there's a store somewhere called like Pimps and Hose or something that you could probably find it. If this thing turns into a thing and we end up making appearances or something, I'm getting an outfit like that. Ooh. I like where you're going with this. WrestleMania Uh, weekend, everybody. We have like 11 months to save. Okay. That wouldn't be a use of time and money. I'm only going if uh, Riv is going. If I end up there, Riv is there, I'm going to challenge him to a fist fight and see what he does. Not that I want to beat Riv up or have a fight with Riv, but I just want to see how he reacts. That's true. That, that was, would that was funny about Smurf though. I tagged both of you in that picture this morning, and he untagged himself. Like it was literally less than a minute. Who Smurf? Oh yeah, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> I was asleep, but I went to roll around. And I saw that and was like, oh, um, I couldn't think of anything to say, like any comments. So I just right. went back yeah, to sleep. It was one of those stupid Facebook things. Like, oh, memory. Okay, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he really does not want to be associated, huh? I guess not. I, guess I don't not. know. That. That's funny. Yeah. Well, if you guys do get together and you do throw down, I mean, we will record it, but you, you have to do me the favor of making sure this happens inside of a Denny's. I hope so. Or at least... Ah, Chuck E. Uh, cheese. Cuck E. Cheese? Up here, all our African-American friend, uh, families get into fights. And shootings in Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Down over where we De- everybody else is, it's Denny's. Yeah, we, we went to Denny's Saturday morning for breakfast, and I'm, I made some kind of comment to Renee about a fucking Denny's fight. And then I looked around, and all I saw was like a bunch of old white people. And I'm like, yeah, probably not going to happen. No. Oh. I used to, when I worked at the AMC theaters, it was the only place open when we closed up the building. So we'd always end up going to Denny's every weekend without fail. Turn that shit down. It's not even loud. I can barely hear it. Oh my god. We can you have a fantastic it. microphone. That yes, is crazy. Congratulations. I don't want to hear you two. I want to hear them. I'm actually interested in an episode for once. Why don't you just use headphones? <laughs> I am using headphones. 
I have Hangouts oh. on my computer, and then I have the other shit open another tab. But I like when we do the live watches, I oh. watch it while talking. It's all coming to the same. Oh, 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 oh! Yeah, I you see. Well, I could, I could certainly do that, but then I wouldn't be able to watch. Oh no, I wouldn't be able to play. Wow. Oh, that's the oh, problem. No. N word. You need a laptop. No, we need to do. One. I have one here. Get you this laptop. We'll get you another one. Mm-hmm. Is we'll have this, I don't know, the dirty white boy or something, like beat people Ugh. up and bite dogs, and you can ask for donations <laughs> and just go on your little scooter. Oh my god. Dude, I fucking, when I was leaving that show on Saturday, and I, I probably should preface this, I went to a, uh, you guys know, but um, this past weekend, I went to a uh, AEW show in, in beautiful LaSalle, Illinois, uh, population roughly about 7,000 people. Um, went to a show that ended up having f- none other than Bob fucking Holly on it, um, wrestling the uh, guy Mil Muertes from Lucha Underground. It, it was basically these two just beating the fuck out of each other for about six minutes. And then after the match, Bob Holly just kind of wandered around the ring for like 20 minutes awkwardly and then forgot, oh, shit, I have to go cut a promo about my match in August. <laughs> But it was a Smoky Mountain fucking reunion show. The, the, there was a fucking like, weird old lady in the front row that gave him a big fucking hug and was yelling at him and shit. And then I'm walking out. And when you walk out of the building, you got to go down two sets of stairs. So what, I know you'll never go with me for here. You got to walk down two sets of stairs to get out to the front and go down another set of fucking stairs. And I go down and there's a fucking guy sitting in the chair in all fucking denim with the fucking beard, just kind of hanging out, looking there. With, and I'm like, holy shit, it's fucking Ron Wright, dude. I literally almost shit my pants thinking it was him for a second which was kind of sad because he died like two years ago. But still, it was a nice visual. It gave me hope. It brought me back to a time where wrestling was the the way I wanted it to be and, and the way I liked it. Oh, God, you sound so fucking gay. Yes, so I know, gross. because you, you should send me money because I can help you raise money for your local JCs. And uh, so. Yes. I love that they keep putting that shit on as if it's a fundraiser. Yeah, yes, exactly. It's the perfect that, angle. That, that and how many people do you think 25 years ago at this point might have actually sent that fucking money to Ron Wright? <laughs> well, you know there had to be a fucking check or something that rolled in. Like, you know, this, yeah. this fucking like poorly written note with fucking crayon was wrapped around this check for like, written by like a 30-something-year-old guy. <laughs> fucking backwards letters and shit. I sure do feel bad for Mr. Wright's situation. I know if I was in the same and couldn't work at the steel mill, I'd do the same for my fellow man. Love Jesus. Love country. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Some fucking overalls. Fucking crayon. So did did either of you have a chance, uh, another significant development since our last recording, did either of you have a chance to listen to Jim Cornette going the fuck off on Tim Horner? I forgot. It's it's out there on YouTube for anybody that wants to uh, to pull it. it. I mean, it's like a 30-minute rant, so I'm not going to splice and put anything in this. But um, he kind of tells this, this whole story of Tim Horner and Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which th- the start of it was Tim Horner in WCW. Tim Horner was working dark matches, and he was a job guy. And Cornette wanted out. 
So Horner comes up to him and basically says, well, you know, in, in Tennessee, I can get some guys together and we, we've got about $40,000. We're going to, we, you know, we can start this company if you want to do it. <laughs> Cornette's like, that's not even like two tapings worth of money, but thank you, you know. So he basically gives Tim Horner a pity job thinking, okay, you know, Tennessee, you might help. You might get a few people in there because you think you're some kind of local celebrity whatever and then eventually we're going to open a wrestling school and we're going to have you actually kind of train and, and do things like that more so than be you know face the company kind of guy so through the course of this diatribe the highlights really were um tim horner was fucking some girl on the side that worked at a bank and that really really wanted an office separate from everybody and Cornette's theory was well she wanted the office separate so horner could just go there and fuck her whenever um, it turns out when Cornette finally fires Tim Horner, Horner steals a $400 fax machine, an $8,000 ring truck, and, <laughs> and never speak to him again. Never and spoke he's, to him again? Never spoke to him again after stealing the ring truck and a fax machine. Um, but apparently during his tenure as well, uh, Rick Rubin, who was financing the majority of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, would ca would call Jim Cornette on almost a weekly basis and saying, "Quote: Why the fuck is Tim Horner on my television?" <laughs> <laughs> White Lightning himself, and uh, he he was particularly fond of the music video from our last episode. He he fucking busted Cornette's balls pretty hard about that one too. Um, Cornette's White take on it was. Why did basically, they put that on there if Cornette hated him? Um, basically, just he needed to fill time is what he said, which is our whole theory. I mean, he kind of confirms something we've been saying, you know, throughout this whole fucking thing is they're just killing time. And uh, Rick Rubin's like, you know, maybe you could have shown about 30 seconds instead of letting it go as long as you fucking did. And Cornette's like, yeah, probably. But he was thinking that Horner would help him in Tennessee a little bit because he was kind of a local celebrity, but you know, what he drew wasn't worth it. And, you know, Tim Horner apparently just started to think, you know, he was the hot shit in Smoky Mountain. He would start actually like telling um people that were out there like selling their merch and shit that the office was going to start taking percentages of the merchandise sales that the guys were doing at the tables on their own, that the office was going to start like taking cuts out of that. And apparently the reason he did that was because nobody was wanting to buy his fucking foam lightning bolts. So oh, he was man. trying to dissuade everybody else from selling merch too. So more people might buy his foam lightning bolts. That's pretty fucking dumb. It's, the, the, it's actually, it's, uh ongoing problem I see here is if they had concise fucking writing and they were on the same page, they wouldn't have to fill air, air with music videos because they could fill air with promos and build things and maybe they'd have better merchandise that people gave a shit about. You know, you have a point. But I, I really do recommend going out and, and finding that. It's it's not hard to find. I think it's on YouTube. It's like Jim Cornette's epic burial of Tim Horner or something like that. But Everything's got to be epic now on the internet. Of course it does. But, you know, you would think with the way they're kind of shoving him down everyone's throat, you know, in these these long ass video packages, you would think like, you know, he must have been like in tight with Cornette or something like to get that kind of a fucking push right away. I mean, Christ, he's terrible in the ring. He's he doesn't even have the best fucking mullet on the show. He has zero redeeming qualities. He's literally useless. He can't talk worth a fuck. And wrestling is 50 percent talking. At least for the product that we see. I don't know about the behind-the-scenes shit. 
hope Cornette addresses that fucking thing too. But uh, yeah, so I, I would definitely, definitely take a a moment out of your day if you haven't listened to it already. Go find that on YouTube. It's fucking great. It's on his podcast too. Whatever he's got two. I don't know if it was the Jim Cornette's drive through or the Jim Cornette Experience or whatever the fuck it's called. But they clipped it out and put it on YouTube for everybody's convenience, which is nice. But, um, you know, had I known you guys were actually going to watch these episodes um, right now or, you know, shortly before we recorded, um, I do propose anybody um, out there that may want to take a look. These episodes are probably on YouTube somewhere, and, and we have something in the works possibly to maybe have a little watch along with us someday if you know, I don't get copywritten to death. But I have a challenge for the both of you and anybody that's listening to this um, that can find these episodes. We need to have a drinking game. Because something jumped out to me on these two episodes. For some reason, these two got me as opposed to all the other ones we've watched. Do you ever notice how much Bob Cottle always says fans? Oh, you know, yes. Yeah, quite a bit. Every time. Fans, we have a great show. Fans, fans, fans. Fucking take a shot every time he does. And like 10 minutes into the show, you'll be fucked up. I was actually, it's funny because I was actually thinking, we never discussed what great opening music they have. I discuss it all the time. Are you crazy? <laughs> I it's must... the intro music for this podcast. Literally every episode. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. oh, my God. Oh. Um, well, I don't listen to the show. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. Well, I, I listen to it because I edit it together, so I guess I technically do. But So what you're telling yeah. me is I'm the only one that listens to the podcast that I'm on. Out of three I listen to the whole thing when I edit it together. Does that count? I don't download it afterwards. Okay, I mean, I do. I put them on my phone and I listen to them while I'm doing shit to make sure it came out well. Well, yeah, I do um, that too, but I do that while I'm editing them. So I probably end up listening to it like at least twice. No, okay, I just have enough. faith in your abilities. Yes, blind faith. I, I, just, I routinely let you down every couple of weeks. Do you ever saying, just uh, listen to the episode <laughs> and think Cornette and um, what's his name? What's the co-host name? Uh, Bob Cottle? No, not Bob Cottle. The other one. The oh, racist. the racist? Dutch Mantel? Dutch Mantel, yeah. Um, do you ever think that it's actually that him and uh, Cornette sound very much alike? Next time, mm. don't watch it. Just listen. It's insane. Speaking oh. of racism, um, I, I heard a, an interesting story. Oh, okay. What uh, uh, no, 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 no. Um, it, it actually uh, will will occur probably a little bit toward the end of Smoky Mountain in general. So, you know, we have about three years of content to watch. Mm-hmm. But apparently toward the end in like 90, late 94 or like maybe early 95 there's apparently a very big riot at one of their shows which is impressive because they were drawing you know hundreds of fans at that point um apparently it was sparked by uh cornet uh getting a little physical with one of these security guards in the building and a big fight breaking out apparently mr cornet um used a word that the african-american community really is not fun oh and it sparked a huge fucking riot in West Virginia. Oh, nice. So then Cornette writes to the Observer, which he did quite a bit at the time. He writes into Dave Meltzer and goes in this big whole long spiel. It's basically a promo, but he wrote it out. 
And he he mentions that um, this riot in West Virginia was started because someone in the crowd or somebody called this security guy in the crowd a certain N-word, and uh, that sparked the whole shit, conveniently leaving out the fact that, that was, yeah. he was the guy that dropped the N-bomb that started the fucking riot. Wow. So, yeah, shit's, shit's going to get interesting. I mean, we don't even have to wait for the mummy. I mean, there, there's going to be all this little shit that's going to pop up. Um, I mean, Jesus Christ, Dixie Dynamite. Oh, my God. I there's cringed. a point in this later where I double cringed. And we'll get to it when we get Was, to it, but I, you know, I, I certain poor Orndorff thing. Oh, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. What the fuck is that now? That's my ringtone. God damn you. Couldn't do anything about it. Anybody calling me? Put I, your phone I, on you. Never. My phone's in the other fucking room. It could be a hot date, right? Oh, yeah, that's the hot date. Somebody finally getting back to you from Backpage? No, I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. And why Backpage is better than Craigslist. Why I don't want to answer it. The other night, I went into the store after dropping people off to grab some cigarettes. So it's after the bars closed and everything. So this black, clearly a crackhead. Dude, um, racist asked me if he could use my phone to um, make a call. And me, being like an idiot, said yes. And now the per whoever he called <laughs> keeps calling back. Jesus Christ! Hey, you can so try to get. Uh, I was thinking that's that was my thought process. Uh, Maybe it's his dealer. I'm sure it is. Oh, okay then. Oh yeah. All right. Well, speaking of crackheads, yes. speaking of crackheads, it's, uh, wow, I fucked that one up. See, I'm the crackhead. It's Saturday, April 11th, 1992. Episode 11 of Smoky Mountain Wrestling Television is coming to us from the Hancock County High School somewhere in East Tennessee. Bob Cottle welcomes us to another action-packed episode of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Joined by Dutch Mantel, and this week, the returning Carl Stiles, we're told that we're going to see Hollywood Bob Holly, two first-round tag team title tournament matches, we'll get an update on Brian Lee, Mr. Wonderful is here, and we're finally going to meet Jim Cornette's mystery tag team, who are still totally not the Heavenly Bodies. Dutch takes over, and he tells us that Cornette's mystery team will be taking on the Batten Twins tonight. Bob asks Dutch where Carl Stiles has been the last few weeks. Um, my guess at that point was that he was being held off TV so he can grow that fucking goatee. Um, Dutch tells Bob it's none of his business, and we throw it down to the ring for our first match of the evening. Already in the ring is Ben Jordan, who I can't help but notice looks like Sean William Scott with a mullet. His opponent for this evening upstages him on both talent and hairstyle. It's the man himself, Hollywood Bob Holly. Bob taunts Ben by asking him if he wants to be a star as they lock up. Holly locks in a headlock on Jordan. Jordan takes Holly over with a hip toss, a body slam, and slows the pace down to Glacial with an arm bar. <laughs> Holly backs Jordan into the ropes and delivers a boot to the midsection. Holly hits a snap suplex and starts berating Jordan again. At this point, Holly just straight up starts choking Jordan and slams him face first into the turnbuckle. Holly hits a body slam and covers, but only gets a two count. Holly sends Jordan into the ropes, drops him with a back elbow, and covers for another two count. At this point, Dutch mentions how great Bob Holly and Julia Roberts look together at the Oscars as Holly grinds Jordan with a chin lock. 
Dutch makes a comment about beating off three or four guys in the tournament as Holly hits a backbreaker. Are we still, are we doing phrasing? Is, is phrasing a thing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Did you catch that little Jim and commentary? Your, your thoughts on um, Bob Holly beating off three or four guys at once? That's not the only one. I mean, there's other ones, but that one I missed. I did miss that. <laughs> I'm surprised. Uh, My TV is usually so loud. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a couple of these that I just started writing the quotes down for. And should, this that's one that I fucking missed. <laughs> we need to start doing a fucking thing on like Twitter, Dutch isms. And actually <laughs> tagging start, him in them till he blocks us. Yeah. <laughs> we could just take all of these fucking quotes when we get them and just post them on Twitter and then tag the people in it that are involved. <laughs> a lot of them yes. are Dutch isms, but he's not all of them. <clears throat> We I got a couple fake for you. Twitter that just tweets the word. Jeez, just answer the phone. Put it on speakerphone. I'm not. <laughs> I'm actually turning the ringer off. No. It's not him this time. Yeah, no, it's not oh, him. Oh, right. well, if it's not the drug dealer. Yeah, no, that's every 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> Jordan moves from the corner and gains momentum as he drops Holly with a drop kick. He goes for a backdrop, but Holly counters with an elbow to the back of the head and a body slam. Holly climbs to the top rope and lands the freshly named star drop knee for the three count at three minutes and 20 seconds. Can we come up with a better name for that move right now? The three of us, can we just uh, workshop it? Hmm. Let's see. So how, let's see. We've got Hollywood Bob Holly, star drop He's fucking Julia Roberts. Could call it the pretty woman. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I wasn't thinking that, but I don't know. Like anything Hollywood related, I feel it could be better than that. I mean, he could have did a five star knee press. Oh, yeah, that's true. Two thumbs up. Five we could have come up with something better. I think if that's we could true. workshop something better in like 10 minutes and they came up with that, it would be phenomenal. <laughs> star drop. Sounds like a fucking drink. It sounds, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. God, what, what else? Yeah, what could we come up with? Now I'm starting. I, I'm, yeah, it's I'm like it's on this. Right? You guys should it's be excited. Be uh, it's so warm in my room. I'm taking my shorts off. Oh, now let's Google Hollywood turns. Yeah, let's see. I know Google didn't exist uh, when they did this, but oh yeah, Hollywood glossary of terms. Let's see. <clears throat> Up off the line, act uh, against the agent. Hmm. Antagonist. Ooh. Bible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, the bidding war. The bookend. That's nobody would get that. Development hell. There we go. That's a good that's, tag. That's actually right my there. favorite. I mean, the climax. <laughs> I gotta call it like the high climax or something. You know what we need? We gotta get fucking Mongi on the board. He'll tell us. Ooh, the 405. That could work. I would have just called it the Deus Ex Machina. Ooh, how about the green light? At green light's even fucking better. Or high concept. Nah, nah, I'd go with green light. The final draft. <laughs> Jump the how about this one? Kill all your darlings. Oh yeah, that's wasn't that also known right? as the final solution? Only WCW. It actually, believe it or not, it actually was. No, that's actually um, that's a Hollywood thing. He's right. 
They used to call that the final solution, like, to the problem. Yes. And that really didn't fly after a while. No, something they said, that reminds me. Oh, no. Did you guys watch the Pillow Talk video? No. The Pillow Talk video? After this, you have to watch the Pillow Talk video. Okay. Yes. All right. So, yeah. uh, I'm I'm in five minutes. We can can come up. (laughs) Easily. Easily. Dutch Mattel is not good on commentary, my friends. He got lost at one point. It was so embarrassing. He's so fucking out of place. Like he looked like he was drunk at the start of this. Oh, he asked what you uh what when the tag match with um uh the the Koloffs, uh Coddle asked him what would you do differently or something like that, and he just couldn't answer the question. Uh, it was so it was like painful. It was like Matt Ryan worthy, cringeworthy. Now these are these are filmed back to back, right? Uh, I don't, well, yeah, we, I don't know the order. That's, well, like, that's uh, their claim. Okay, because um, episode 11 and 12, I know they took place in the same arena and all that, I believe, and he looked the mm-hmm. same, and I had just been thinking about it, because both of these, he started out wearing the sunglasses, rambling, not making any sense. Every time Bob Cottle tried to prod him for some kind of character development, he was like, oh, I don't know, he's just not here, or whatever. Like, yeah. uh, the dude that he had in the background um, I, that wasn't here for the past couple of shows, the guy that I forgot existed... I thought it was a new Carl guy. Styles. Yeah, Carl Styles. And I was like, can we get some kind of explanation who that guy is, what he's doing? Like, nothing. It's the uh, South Park theory. He has a goatee now, so you just assume he's a totally different, more evil person. Practically. Because, <laughs> I mean, even to like the Bob Holly curtain jerker, kind of an insult to Bob Holly. Uh, it was good to see him wrestle, though, at all, because he usually doesn't. He just comes out and says some yeah. shit and leaves about Julia Roberts. <laughs> It was actually a good start to the paper, or the pay per view. Holy shit! It was a good start to this. Um, yeah, I do. I love. I love his. He's talented. I love the character. Um, they kept saying he was undefeated, and I was thinking in the back of my head back to the Dutch Mantel thing from before. How can he possibly qualify if he doesn't wrestle enough? This kind of swings back around as he's only undefeated because he's only wrestled like three times. Right. 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 Makes perfect sense. I don't know. It was a good start, and I was very, very optimistic about this. So that's got me. That had me worried. But Dutch Mantel's fucked. Like he's totally out of it. I don't even know why they keep him on the mic. Yeah. The, the I, fucking I, next episode, though, is 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 my favorite with him, just for the simple fact of when he blurts out um, about the 80th after the 80th time of being asked where Carl Styles was, he just goes, "I don't know." He was drunk or something. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like he kept saying when they were like, where was Carl Styles?" He was just like, I don't know. He's not here. I don't know. He wasn't around. He was doing some stuff. Like, prime time for you to develop this guy into something. And you're like, I don't know. Why can't you just be like, oh, he was out training. He was right. wandering the like, streets with the dirty white boy. Exactly the analogy I was going to make there. I mean, we we have the dirty white boy getting thrown into back alleys and biting police dogs. I mean, it doesn't matter. Say something. They should have said, because, you know, Dutch and them, they're all pals and all that, him and uh, fucking Ron Bright, Mm -hmm. that that guy was training with the dirty white boy. (laughs) Anything, anything at all would have worked. He was at Denny's picking fights. Give me something. (laughs) Were Denny's fights a thing in 1992? I hope they were. Denny's fights have always been a thing. <laughs> I love this country sometimes. After America, a replay. America, 
America. Say, are you a real American? But that's Riv is getting ganked, and I'm ignoring his pleas for help. Oh, well, good for him. After a replay, we're back with Bob Cottle and the Colon. Bob Cottle, fans. Bob asks what they're doing back and if they've paid their $500 fine. Ivan says they're glad to be back in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Real heel thing to do. He mentions that the people behind the scenes thought they got rid of the Koloffs, when in reality they had just they just had a family situation to deal with. Ivan confirms that they have, in fact, paid their $500 fine. Ivan directly says, and I quote, we're going to beat everyone in the tournament and win, and then they just leave. Waste uh, of time. So Waste of fucking yeah. time. The whole point, okay, why even do the whole thing with the they've been fined $500, they can't wrestle till they pay $500, all that kind of shit. Oh, then they just, they paid their $500, they're going to wrestle tonight. Well, but they had a family situation. That never comes up again. I didn't even catch that when I was taking my notes. Yeah, I was literally like, okay, they just I know, I, like, okay, I heard, I thought it was personal situation, okay. So we're, wait, were were they gone because they were suspended over and you know until the fine was paid, or were they gone because they had a family situation? I think. I think is it? Well, this is not the first time they've said family situation. When they disappeared last time, that happened. When they got yeah, involved Vladimir with that other guy, that's all fucked. I remember his name. Yeah, they were basically the whole thing they left off on the previous episode was, oh, they're not going to fucking wrestle again until they give me five hundred dollars, right. magic magic number again, but. <laughs> Oh, they just count. Oh, we paid it. Like, build up on that. How about they wrestle anyway and they win, but that doesn't count because they didn't pay the five hundred dollars. Like, if you're gonna run with this five hundred dollars, precisely. Oh, we're not gonna pay, and we're still gonna show we're the best wrestlers ever, even if our wins are invalid. Like, do something like that. If you're gonna keep pushing this five hundred dollar thing to the point where it's a fucking meme on this podcast, why not build something out of it? Hashtag five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, see what I was like. It's consistent enough. Run with it. We need T-shirts with that too. That the pile drivers. I'm telling you, that legalized pile drivers are the Paul Orndorff thing. <laughs> As we head to our first commercial break, we're promised that the important <coughs> next. Oh, the wow! I fucked that note up. Uh, we're gonna hear okay, from Bob Bottle or whatever. Yeah, we're gonna hear from the commissioner coming up next. If you want some fundraiser shit in our civic center, etc., etc., Sandy Scott. You know what gets me though? You know what really got me? It gets me. Well, what got me about that is that they're talking about let's have an event at your civic, you know, whatever, or your police benevolent association, or whatever, right? So these are usually little, you know, shit box. You know, right venues, but then they're talking about having this tag team tournament at the Nashaw Coliseum. Does, does that make sense to you? Do they no. shell out extra money for the Coliseum? Well, you mean the Coliseum that had the last like four shows that we watched in it? <laughs> you talking about the uh, Knoxville Civic Coliseum? Is that that yeah. big place right now? No, it's not very big. No, this oh. this is a nice little gym. I looked wow. it up, dude. Oh, it's not that big. I'm sorry. Maybe because, you know, Coliseum, I think, you know, maybe they should stop trying to act like they're bigger than they are. Yeah. Now see, instead of making it out like they're the greatest shit ever when they're clearly not, play to your strengths. Okay. Why don't you pretend you're a little grassroots thing? Yes. Well, wait a minute. I mean, 
the the knoxville civic coliseum actually will hold 7100 people see see they're, they're using lighting if you watch um, episode 12 again yes but if you watch episode 12 again you can see how they use the lighting to fool you to thinking there's more people there than there is because well, it, it, it can gradually, hold it it doesn't mean right. there were that many there yeah, <coughs> as opposed to the 200 that are there now yes they don't even say that. I would tell people that this place was huge if I was going to fake it out and make it look like it was bigger than it is. Well, it, um, One way or the other, they need to go. But let's, go let's look at some upcoming events. Um, we have the WWE Live on Saturday, May 27th. There? Um, yeah. Uh, See, I was right. Gabriel Iglesias is playing there in October. Oh, Lord. Um, oh, here we go. The Knoxville Firefighters Association is having a fundraiser on June 4th. Uh, Kansas is playing there October 27th. I know what day I'm not. And what is this? The Legend of Zelda Symphony of a Goddess is playing there on Friday, November 17th. That's an excellent show. Okay. So it's also the home. uh, He's like, okay, but he's sitting here slaying dragons in his group chat. (laughs) You can't have it both ways. I love Zelda. Okay, I, I was going to say, you can't stand above the line and look down at us. And I just don't know leave. how I feel about Zelda opera. Take a hot date. Oh, so like, <laughs> it's also, also the home of the Knoxville Ice Bears. Sub-Zero. They, they play so, the Southern Professional Hockey League. We're uh we're a little ahead of ourselves because we didn't get into the whole um the thing that they're about to say about the volunteer slam, but I also looked up the Knoxville Civic Coliseum when they said that. So I don't know. Do you want to do that little part and then I'll just get my shit, or you want me to just throw it out? Yeah, just throw it out. Okay, because at the time of when they were talking about this and they were saying, um, you know what? No, no, no. You should you should go on and then I'll work it in. Do your part. All right. All right. So back at the announce table, Caudle gives us a brief introduction to pre-recorded comments from Commissioner Bob Armstrong about the upcoming Volunteer Slam. Bob assures us this is very important, and he sends us to the video. Commissioner's, Commissioner Armstrong's big announcement is, the Volunteer Slam is now on May 22nd. The reason for this change? He's been swamped with phone calls, videos, and cards from, quote, the Japan organization that want to come here and watch them crown a champion. He also mentions that in addition to the heavyweight title being decided that night, the tag titles will also be decided. Um, as Commissioner Armstrong further displays his belief that le- of uh, leading with the biggest news first, he also declares that this will be the biggest night in the history of professional wrestling. Um, he also does mention that there may be a talent oh, exchange with wait, Japan wait, as well. Wait, I'm sorry. Okay, you, it's, it's, I actually have the quote because this is what made me Google the shit. He said it was the biggest night in professional wrestling history for the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. which says absolutely nothing (laughs) considering the only thing that was wrestling related that happened in that Coliseum until afterwards, because you just said about WWF was Smoky Mountain wrestling. So what he actually said was that this is the biggest Smoky Mountain wrestling moment that you will ever see. Yes, ever. Apparently the two greatest, the two greatest words in the English language default. (laughs) And then when he was saying, um, he had to cooperate with the Japanese people. It basically yes, sounds like there's a problem. 
like the the Japanese people, the, the Japanese corporation or whatever. What did they? What did he call them? The Japanese. The, the no, not even the Japanese. It was the Japan organization. Okay, cooperate with the Japan organization sounds like they're making some unreasonable demands that he's trying to abide by, which makes me think that they don't want to be in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He wants them there, and they're making it very hard for him. A little slip of the tongue there. <laughs> Literally. I, I'm curious if we would actually see like if they would just let a fucking character roll in and call him like Hirohito or something like really insensitive. Um, I wouldn't put it past him. Cause uh, <laughs> I, I know I cut you off on it, but he he then says, "Oh, you ain't never seen no wrestling like you've seen the Japan the, Jap- yes. the Japanese wrestling. It's pretty good. It's really up there. It's almost as good as Smoky Mountain wrestling." That fucking killed me. Am I ahead ahead of you? No, no, no. You're fine. Okay, because I'm I'm, I'm picturing like fucking Great Muda and shit and Tiger Mask and that kind of (laughs) garbage. And then I'm picturing White Lightning. (laughs) How do they compare? Well, fucking Muda ain't got no natural bridge. I guess. I guess that must be it. He also doesn't have the foam lightning bolts, but... Yeah, all Muda can do is blow mist on some chick's crotch and have her give birth to a sumo wrestler from an egg. I didn't know we were going to talk about that kind of stuff. I, I, I tried to find that show for us, by the way, but my uh, my resources on Hustle are a bit uh, scarce right now. But anyway, I digress. We have serious Southern wrestling to... Uh, Just tag Smurf to, uh, in a Facebook post about it, see if he takes himself out. <laughs> Dude, you would like Hustle. The fucking um, the main villain of it. It was like a wrestling opera show, and the main villain was a Japanese version of M. Bison. Oh, I'm down for that. Every day. It, it's got something for all of us. It had a. It's got the M. Bison guy. Um, it's got uh, the YouTube sensation Razor Ramon Hardgay in it, and then um, the main one of the main heels in the company's uh, Asian chick dominatrix. So. No part of that uh, at all. Yeah. Uh, just saying. Just saying. Uh, anyway, uh, before Bob uh, forgets, he has to address the issue of Paul Orndorff and the pile driver. He says he's going to tell us why the pile driver is banned. Well, the reason is he doesn't need to tell us why because he's the commissioner and he decides what's legal and what's not. The pile driver is not legal, and that's that. Remember he said that, ladies and gentlemen. Remember that he said that. Just think of that. Very important that he just said that. Yes. God Write that it. down. Yes, on your dry race boards. Uh, we go to a, a local commercial for the Chattanooga area featuring the Fantastics Tim Horner and Brian Lee singing the praises of the rich history of pro wrestling in Chattanooga, which I was blissfully unaware of until this awkward promo. Twink Squad is uh, on point. Bobby Fulton says, let me tell you something to coddle so often that I started to think he's a shitty fire marshal bill knockoff. Uh, and I know that's not the exact quote, but fuck it. Just go with it. Uh, back at the announce table, Bob Coddle runs down the current tag team tournament brackets for us. Uh, we're going down to the ring for another first round match. This first round match oh, is featuring... sorry, I gotta say it again before I forget. I know I, I'm gonna get stopped doing this. I'm stop doing this to you, but those zebra yeah. plant, the zebra pants were fucking on point. The fucking zubas, zubas, yeah. mm. and 
I like how the guys had to say that they were big fans of wrestling, despite the fact that they are fucking wrestlers, Mr. Fulton. <laughs> They're fucking faces in general. Like, I'm looking at this. These guys are terrible on the mic. Are you the, are point, you the four blondes, right? I'm yeah, the Twink Squad. Yes. yes. Yep. One of them's talking. <laughs> the other three of them are busy looking like they're trying to remember what they're supposed to say or come up with something to yeah. say. Right. They get their turn, and then the ones that already talked are just kind of staring there, like looking bored and confused, like, do I still have to be here? <laughs> now, I bring that up, well, and I only cut you off about that because that's an ongoing trend in all of these promos. Awkwardness and Twinks? No, it's all of them fucking standing there looking like they're racking their brain trying to think of what they have to say, saying something incredibly unremarkable, and then just standing there, staring into space. And these these aren't even the, the commercials that are showing on the actual syndicated show. These are local market specifics. So this is what's supposed to try to draw fans in to come see them, is this awkward fucking like step above a hostage video promo from these guys. Like that's how they're well, marketing their shit locally. You two are assholes because you should be more respectful. Uh, this is Bobby Fulton's 40th year. His retirement tour is going on uh, in 2017, the entirety of 2017. So you should be sure to get out there and support him uh, on his ret- retirement tour and not listen to these two pieces of shit talk shit about this. Uh, are you going to book him? Are you going to book him, Wood? No, but come on. It's the fantastic finale. <laughs> Dude. It's the fantastic finale. Every you fucking know? promo on this show is just a commercial for something you're already watching by people that can't even articulate any talking points to sell it to you. Are you saying, are you telling me that the only commercials on this show are commercials for this show? Yeah. So if you want to raise some funds for your local city. (laughs) (laughs) And what was the name they said send mail a letter to, which I still think is hilarious. Sandy Scott. Sandy Scott, yeah. Or call Sandy Scott. So you bring up a good point. These these shows were obviously for an hour of television. The runtime on this episode was nearly 52 minutes. That's oh, wow. not a lot of commercials for the uh, local oh, channel uh, there. Right, right. I mean, I mean, your, your average show that blocks about an hour on TV, you know, the, the actual show runs, you know, 40, 45 minutes, somewhere in there. Think of how many less commercials that Smoky Mountain got that network when they're running a show that's 52 minutes long in an hour time slot. Not enough. Like, that's horrific. Like, who the fuck would put that on? Like, I'd rather you, you could make more money having fucking Ron Popeil sell you the fucking vacuum <laughs> food thing than uh, you would get for Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Uh, I mean, goddamn, amazing inventions would get you more. But I digress. They're a young company, they're starting out. They're, they're, doing this and thinking it's going to spiral into something positive. <laughs> Maybe they should have put a fucking local commercial in there instead of having fucking White Lightning Tim Horner sing for two and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These radical ideas. This is why Smoky Mountain's not around anymore. Huh, so back to the ring for our, our match here. We've got the team of Jumping Joey Mags and his explosive tag team partner Nitro Danny Davis against the Koloffs. Dutch and Bob sound overly thrilled at the prospect of this matchup. Uh, we get a big USA chant, and Bob starts to mention how this match will be of uh, a match of great speed, 
until we all realize Ivan's like 90 years old at this point. Are the Koloffs uh, are people are chanting USA at them? One yes. of them is a Canadian and the other one is an American. I did a little bit of a Wikipedia magic when that was happening and I couldn't help but notice that one of them, the, the surviving one, mm-hmm. is a, a fucking, he's a minister. He's a born again Christian now. He has his own that. ministry. They all do it. Yeah, but whatever. But more importantly, this guy is on a lifetime television show. You know, the Ladies Network. Oh, oh wow. God. Where he is, uh, it's about the, the daughters of pastors or something. Really? Oh, one of those shows. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. here he is Holy being an evil fuck. Russian, people chanting USA at him, even though he's American. And you know he had rats stuck in his dick throughout his entire career. Of course. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, well, he, I he's now making it that. up to Jesus. I only say that because my personal good friend who's on tour, uh, his retirement tour, the fantastic finale, uh, he's a born-again Christian, and he's been preaching the Christian gospel since October 2003. Oh. So, you know, we gotta, you gotta uh, give him props. He's also, you know, why do these people become ministers? I don't understand it. Easiest line of work after wrestling? I don't, I don't know. Oh, I, I think it's all carny right. shit. Maybe yeah, we gotta get on Twitter, get out to the people, and ask them their opinion on this. Totally. Why are all the ex wrestlers from the South apparently fucking born again Christian ministers? Maybe somebody, too. Yeah, maybe somebody can give us some insight because um, maybe they just see some shit on the road and it just changes their life and warps their perspective. Oh, I'm sure they do at fucking Knoxville. Holy shit! <laughs> By the way, Ted DiBiase is an asshole. He oh. used to have a website. You know, he has a website, but the website used to have a link on it for a free gift. So you click on the link because you want to get that free gift. And you right. read like a page of religious shit. And you're like, uh. okay, where's my gift? Where's the gift? And then at the end of it, he goes, aren't you happy I gave you the free gift of Jesus Christ or something? I like knew that. that was what you were going to say. That God. motherfucker. I would Damn spit it. on him. I would spit on him and go to <laughs> Virgil's table intentionally. Well, we know why you would go to Virgil's table. But. Well, yeah. Well, no, because we found out that he's a shower, a grower, not a shower. That's kind of disappointing. Well, yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah. There, I, I guess there, there is another one. Enough attention working up while he's sitting there. You know, this this is something to keep in mind. There is another podcast out there that I listen to where the hosts actually, um, for one of their bachelor parties, the other host actually booked Virgil. For the bachelor, and he came. Oh, he really? Showed up. Oh, wow. And yeah, he was hanging out, drinking, and telling all his stories. You know about the days of him hanging out with Hollywood Hogan and all that. And uh, apparently, the meat sauce thing is legitimate. Like th- this was at like the back room of like a nicer Italian restaurant and shit. Right, right. And he's trying to order pasta, and he's you know I want the meat thaw. Can I have some meat thaw? Oh. And the the fucking um, the waiters like, well, we have bolognese sauce, sir. Is that meat thoth? I want meat thoth and an, an, extra bowl of, an extra bowl of meat thoth on the thod. Oh, no. And, he, and they, they were describing like when the waiter brought his food and he saw the meat sauce, he fucking, his face lit up like a kid on Christmas Day. Oh, wow. Like, he was, like the meat sauce thing is legit. But point being, what if you want to hang out with Virgil and you want to pay him, he will come hang out with you. I'm going to book him. I'm going to offer $75. Book him and Dan Riker. No, him and Raven. She was bigger. Raven Raven is open to the idea too, apparently. Yeah. Wonder if he's gonna be a Baptist minister. 
Oh God! Yeah, somehow I really when when he has a fucking two hour podcast with Billy Corgan discussing JFK assassination conspiracy theories, <laughs> I really don't think that's on the uh, agenda anytime soon. Uh, anyway, so our, I wanted to ask you guys this too, but back to the USA chant and, and oh, the oh, one more thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, the Wikipedia when I was looking for the Koloffs, that's a point I forgot. We got a sidetrack with uh, Teddy Biasi being an asshole. <laughs> the Wikipedia's for the Kolovs never mention Smoky Mountain wrestling. Really? Oh wow! Puts down their whole fucking history and their career in wrestling. The Smoky Mountain wrestling does not come up once. That's interesting because my good friend Bobby Fulton, who's on the retirement tour uh, called the Fantastic Finale, which is going to end in 2017. So make sure you get out there after 40 years of wrestling. The funny thing is they do mention it. And his 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 uh, shoot name, of course, is James Hines, and he was in Ohio was presenting Big Time Wrestling, which was the precursor to Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Some uh, uh-huh. shit there, guys. It's according to the Wikipedia. Bobby Fulton. So, so how long have you been attracted to Bobby Fulton? <laughs> I'm not at all. I looked him up because. <laughs> There, there's this. I can't. I, I think it's Bobby Fuller, but um, I was thinking his name was Bobby Fulton also, and it is Bobby Fuller. Uh, Bobby Fuller was a singer, the one you know that did "I Fought the Law" and "The Law Won." Uh huh. I don't know if you guys know the circumstances of his death. He probably needed a Baptist minister, but is it as good as Bob Crane? Almost as good because there, there. It's a conspiracy. Also, the oh. idea was that Bobby Fuller was found dead in an automobile parked outside his Hollywood apartment. They never did an autopsy on him, but his face, chest, and side were covered in petechial hemorrhages, probably oh. caused by gasoline vapors and the summer heat. They found no bruising, no broken uh, bones, no cuts, and no evidence of a beating. But um, they uh, both accident and suicide are checked on his death certificate, but with question marks, not actual check marks. Accidental suicide. Accidental suicide. Well, exactly. Because they, he, he died from gas, liquid gas inhalation somehow. It's, so it's, it's is this insane. the first example? Is this the first example of someone vaping getting what they deserve? That's actually or, <laughs> or Aboriginals in Australia. All they do is drink gasoline. Yeah, I'm or vaping right now. now. Yeah, or wait, is it, <laughs> is it the Maori Maoris in New Zealand? I gotta ask. I forget who. But yeah, it's very very suspicious death. Very suspicious. Yes, I will make sure to ask Shazza about that too if she knows what uh, if it's her people or the ones next door that vape gasoline. <laughs> So that that's why I wasn't sure the fault if it was, but it was Bobby Fuller. But then I had his wiki open, and that was that. <laughs> so on that note, is who's the weirder fake Russian? So you've got the Minister Vladimir here, or fucking Repo Man from Minnesota was once upon a time Russian too. Right, Repo Man was Barry Darso, right? Yes. Yes, now please recite his entire Wikipedia for memory. Uh, no, I don't have to because we met him in person, remember? Yeah, we were together. 
he came over oh, at yeah. Me and yeah yeah and he's actually nicer than one man gang like you know oh. no 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 i've spent so i got a chance to spend time with uh the one man gang when he was not performing um well you fucking name dropping i can't help it uh i'm very famous in the world of wrestling <laughs> of, of, of uh, watched sir. up retired wrestlers <laughs> Sir, people were excited that Cranky Riv showed up to that fucking show. I, I, I saw, I was following your Twitter. I wasn't replying much because I had a, we had a bunch of, uh, well, not a bunch, two pe- a couple uh, that came. <laughs> two people, a bunch. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I got, I, no, I got to explain. It, 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 it's more, it's not that simple. Shut up. I knew I should think, you know, I stopped taking my pills like two weeks ago and my mind has been in a fog without the pills. Um, that's impressive tolerance. The the thing is, this couple came from California. They only come every two or three years. Um, so other people that I never get to see uh, came from like Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and everything to see them. And there was mm-hmm. shenanigans on uh, Friday at my brother's house, which I'm sure you both might have seen. And uh, if you didn't, there's an epic rap battle between my brother and uh, Mario, our black, our, our, our first black friend. And um, also, uh, then there was a huge bonfire thing on Saturday. Yesterday, unfortunately, I couldn't make it to the third thing because at that point, my leg was like, fuck you, dude. I'm really tired of your shit. And, um, but there were shenanigans all week. So I was following you um, and enjoying it. Uh, and uh, there was something, someone else. Oh, uh our good friend Robert Cunt, and that's his real name, folks. We're not making that up. Um, was messaging me on Messenger. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm not making fun of you, Robert. I'm just reenacting how I see you doing the ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> the giant candy laugh. Um, I, uh, he, yeah, he was linking me picture uh, screen caps of it. So yeah, of, I was, he was replying. Yeah, because he was trying to reply. I don't know. I have to. I'll look at it as soon as I'm done wow. with Cody's boss. I, I had yeah. more more reach than I thought. There was a dude that was like three rows behind me, sitting on the stage, and he tags me in some shit. Oh wow, Cranky Rivs in the house tonight. And I'm like, yeah, oh. I'll, I'll be at the fucking popcorn machine on intermission, signing autographs. Tell your friends. And they got like eight retweets from people that were there. I'm oh like, no. Whoa. Okay. That's how it starts. You better have been at that What's fucking it? popcorn machine. Who fucking A went and bought a bag of popcorn on intermission? I sure <laughs> shit was. That's legit. I took a picture of it too. Fucking A I did. But yeah, between that and I, weird interactions I had uh, like Friday night, I was sitting down to take uh, take my show notes and write everything up. And I get into this fucking Twitter back and forth with a wrestler and ends up with her fucking DMing me on Twitter a bunch, which just got kind of weird because she's um, actually one that's been legitimately committed to a fucking mental institution at a couple points oh, in her life. She's going to kill you. And yeah, she's like sending me hearts and shit because of I was the shit I was saying on there. I'm like, okay. So if one is to be believed, and if I say one, of course I'm talking about Riv, um, this is exactly my type of girl because she's completely fucking insane and quote the girl interrupted type. 
And then it fucking turns out on Saturday at the show, I end up now I'm fucking besties with another one of the female talents, which is just getting weird. And it all spawns from me creatively saying that I want to fuck them in all caps. And I still don't understand any of this, but anyway, I digress. Local celebrity. It's a great reverse ring rat, but I don't actually fuck any of them. Hence the anti rat. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, get it, it think about none it. of it makes sense around you tell them you want to bang them that's a ring rat yes right you just don't do the other part yeah i'm all talk that's disappointing isn't it yeah man well in all fairness though i mean google her in no disrespect to her she's a wonderful human being but would you really want to bang jessica havoc no. Throw that in the Google machine. No, I, I do not. I do not. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll just sit there and... Oh, I know that name. She's crazy, bro. Supplements. Really? She's nothing but a sweetheart to me. Okay, then I was just making things up because, you know, I think all women are crazy. Um, which well, she, I'll she's right the on. one that... She's the one that lost her tryout and or well, lost her potential WWE deal. Oh, the, the Nazis. one. No, not she wasn't oh. the Nazi. Oh, okay. No, no, she was the one that was quote channeling her inner nigger by going to KFC. Oh yeah. Um, oh man, what a way to go! Somebody what found a way to go. Yeah, dude. They, Jew, I don't know if you heard about this one, but Havoc had a, a tryout. She's in the ring at Developmental in uh, in Florida. Her boyfriend has a deal, so he you know gets her a look. And these people unearth all these tweets from like 2012, 2013. She's dropping N-bombs, talking about eating watermelon and shit and KFC this and that. All this fucking popped up literally as she was in the fucking ring during her tryout. So awesome. Poor yeah. girl. You can't say anything yeah, she's on Twitter. She's a total sweetheart, though. I've I've run into her quite a few times at these shows, and she's a total sweet. First time I ever fucking talked to her in person, we just find each other in the crowd. She gives me this big fucking hug and oh whatever, blah blah. We we stood around and chit chatted, and then uh, she decided to call Eva Lisa cunt a couple of times. I'm like, okay, I, like I see you. why she likes Frankie Riv. Yeah, total sweetheart, except if you're Eva Lisa. So, uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Oh, yeah. These side bars are... We're we're looking for excuses not to talk about this show, you realize? Yeah, the Koloffs are not exciting, but... We did um, get a Dutch Mantel quote where he calls one of them a pure raw man. (laughs) I didn't get that that one, but I I have a note here of... uh, uh, We get a shot of Vladimir's impressive body hair. Nice. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I don't. You want to give us the recap? Not really. Um, I'll just give you the cliff note version of this match. Uh, Mags drops a very poor looking elbow onto the arm as Dutch becomes so disinterested in this match, she starts talking about Jim Cornette's mystery tag team. Um, We get a bunch of shoulder blocks. Um, I'm just skimming this because this match was <laughs> fucking horrible. We get, um, uh, get Nitro Danny Davis exploding on the chin of Ivan Koloff. That's a Bob Connell quote. <laughs> um, Dutch mentions the Koloffs can carry the mail, meaning they deliver. 
Um, Ivan tags in and fish hooks Joey Mags and then appears to kiss him on the cheek. He tags Vladimir back in as Dutch begins to shit on MTV, eating chips, Coca-Cola, and then praises Russian culture, which I'm sure got him a call from the State Department. Um, just basically explaining how tag team wrestling works. He was oh, like, yeah, you gotta beat the guy up and you gotta tag the other guy in so you stay fresh and then tag back out. I was like, okay, thanks. Caudle overuses the term explode, which jinxes Danny Davis into being caught mid-cross body attempt. Uh, for no real reason whatsoever, the Fantastics run out to ringside and distract the referee because, you know, they're the good guys. Bobby Fulton sucker punches Vladimir. Danny takes advantage and gets a three count for the surprise win at seven minutes and 21 seconds. Sir, Bob is- that was a two count with a foot on the rope and no ring bell. And it equaled the referee. Bob is thrilled, but Dutch yells at him to shut up as we cut to that goddamn fundraiser <laughs> commercial for the third time in the show. Oh, shut up, Bob Cottle. <laughs> great. Dutch has his moments when he's not senile and or drunk. And it's mainly just when he yells at Bob Cottle. <laughs> uh, back from commercial, Bob wants to know what Dutch has been hiding about where Carl Stiles has been. Dutch says he hasn't been hiding anything. He says the only thing to hide about Carl Stiles that would help would be his face. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, it's better than I don't know. He's not here. Or he was drunk. That, that was my favorite one. I don't know. He was drunk. Uh, Bob gives up and decides to change the subject. That subject change being a replay of last week's confrontation between Brian Lee and the Dirty White Boy, which features Dirty White Boy talking like this and calling Brian Lee horsehead. Um, We also get this chair shot right before the main event and just a little recap package. Brian Lee said Uh, something weird like, you say there's no man on earth that can beat you, but I know there's a man on earth that can beat me, but I'm still going to beat you. It was like, I don't know what the hell he was talking about. It, It was like some, like, tumblr poetry or something i mean it was i i couldn't even i don't know and wow okay my computer just kind of shut off there good we're still recording all right technical difficulties in casa de crust here uh so back in the studio uh bob and dutch are standing by with mr ron wright bob tells us that the dirty white boy and mr wright were fined by commissioner armstrong i'm assuming 500 dollars each um before looking to get mr wright's comments mr wright says he's never been more disheartened in his life here he is just a poor old crippled feeble man up there in years and after that 500 hundred dollar fine he can't afford his heart and arthritis medications he's gonna he get had generic to take, <laughs> he had to take generics instead <laughs> Mr. Wright says, (laughs) I love him. He says Bob Armstrong and Smoky Mountain Wrestling pulled a dirty trick on him, and and they're trying to make things harder on him. He says that he has the dirty white boy out on the streets, in the back alleys, running up and down, training by kicking random people and stomping on dogs. Um, He's apparently Patrick Bateman, uh, for anybody that's read or seen the movie. Uh, Ron Wright promises that dirty white boy will be ready for the volunteer slam. As we go back to commercial, we get a special on-screen message with a phone number to get matches in our town, goddammit, then the fundraiser commercial for the fourth consecutive time. He didn't call it the volunteer slam. Oh, shit, what did he call it? He called it the big slam. Oh, fuck. I missed that one. I got the other ones where they kept fucking up the name of it. 
Nobody knows what the name of their own pay-per-view is. Dude, Buddy Landell, and I mean, it's Buddy Landell, so he's probably on a lot of fucking drugs. He fucked up the name of the company again. <laughs> in addition to the name of the big show that he's booked in the main event of. God damn this shit. What we got to do is we got to get a guy to hold fucking a whiteboard and just write down what they're supposed <laughs> to say on it. <laughs> they probably couldn't afford it. They probably fucking were trying to use like paper grocery bags, but nobody could fucking get a Sharpie. So nobody could read the pen on the back of it. Crayon. Uh, <laughs> goddamn crayon. Uh, back from this commercial break for uh, the panhandling binge. Uh, Bob Cottle is standing by with the biggest clusterfuck I think we've seen. Hector Guerrero, Dixie Dynamite, <laughs> and Paul Orndorff. Uh, this is great. I, I just have to remind you that in this picture that we would see, right, that we saw right here, one of these gentlemen actually main evented WrestleMania against Hulk Hogan. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I mean, that match he had with Dixie Dynamite, I mean, probably explains why he adopted those views later on in life. But uh, mm. anyway, uh, Dixie says that he's happy to be here and happy to be a wild card entrant in the tournament. He says it's an honor to be standing by these other two men, and he hopes to go all the way to the finals. Uh, it's Hector's turn, and he says he knows he knows his country is happy that he's here. He calls the tournament beautiful and says he's proud of it. Dixie compares himself to the Atlanta Braves making it all the way to the World Series if he makes it to the finals. He calls his fans his little firecrackers. It's a line that's so bad, Bob Cottle just stops talking to him and ignores him and goes to talk to Hector Guerrero. <sighs> Hector says he's very, very acknowledging Smoky Mountain International business. <laughs> 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 essentially, Smoky Mountain has good wrestlers. Okay, I had to, uh, I had to look. Uh, like I stopped. I paused the video. I go on YouTube, and I'm like, I need to find Hector Guerrero talking to see if he really talks like this or this is the gimmick. And I still am not sure because everything I could find was TNA related. Oh, God. Did he talk like that in real life, or was that his gimmick? The only other thing I have seen him do was be the gobbledygooker. I have no fucking idea. Okay. I, I will research Hector Guerrero before our next show for some unknown reason. Uh, Orndorf gets his turn, and he starts to run down the, quote, Goo Goo Gaga about being a wild card. He says to him, that's an insult. Uh, Mr. Wonderful has been all over the world, sold out buildings all over the world. He's beat Hulk Hogan. He's beat Ric Flair. And Bob just decides to cut him off and says he doesn't have the record to qualify him for the regular tournament. My note here, Cy, Jew, want to feel the problem with this one again? I mean, aside from all of that, like, they, he never wrestles. <laughs> He's done, like, this exactly. is what, his, his third match? Second? Um, maybe his second one, I think, yeah. But Dixie Dynamite... It, yeah, I, this is literally he has wrestled once. In fact, okay, I'm watching this shit, and I, I immediately okay. Number one, Dixie Dynamite. It's like he's what are they trying to build up like the Confederate Hulk Hogan with the little firecrackers <laughs> <guess>. and shit. <laughs> little firecrackers. I had a moment of fear when the thing when the uh, the camera faded in, and I see him Can standing there. Walked in. <laughs> well, I see him in his outfit. I see Hector Guerrero in his fucking weirdo looking whatever the hell he's wearing. 
And I was like, oh my God, please don't make them a tag team. <laughs> then this happens. <laughs> but the part when uh, Hector's, and, uh, you know, they start going off on each other. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul Orndorff is like, you know, I'm so much better than these fucks. And Hector Guerrero's like, whoa, 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 we're all good wrestlers. We've all been here. You know, they start shoving. Paul Orndorff plays a violin. <laughs> which, uh, Hector Guerrero responds with, what? No, hey, no, there's no violin here or some shit like that. Yes. Yes. Paul Orndorff is like, I'll go down to the ring right now. I'll beat both your asses. Come on, guys, or whatever he said. I thought they were yeah. both going to go to the ring and become a tag team. I, and I got scared. Yeah. I was I was hopeful that we were either going to get like a handicap match or something would have happened. I don't know, but it, it's Smoky Mountain. We can't expect much. Um, so Orndorff, speaking of that that challenge, um, Orndorff starts going off on the crowd. He tells them that he's already proven himself. There's no doubt about it. He's the best. He says he can beat both of these guys because they don't weigh as much as he does. <laughs> Not a good logic. thing. Um, Orndorff pokes Hector, which which leads to a shoving match. Orndorff starts complaining about the pile driver being banned again randomly. Um, he says that Bob Armstrong is worried that he's going to hurt somebody, and your dad gum right he's going to hurt somebody. Orndorff insists that someone goes to the ring right now. He'll fight them both, but it's only Hector that is happy to do so. He told Bob Cordell to go down and hold their hands. <laughs> Uh, this leads to our next match, which is a wild card match for the Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Title Tournament. We have Mr. Wonderful, <laughs> but, uh, Paul Orndorff, against the commentator. The commentary says it's not a scheduled match, and then the ring announcer says it's a wild card elimination match. Safe assumption. So we had a non unscheduled wild card elimination match. Mm -hmm. Okay, just checking. Yep, yep, we sure did. Um, and also, did you guys happen to notice that um, for the sole purpose of his ring introduction, Hector Guerrero put his sombrero on in the ring and then took it off immediately? Didn't even wear it to the ring. Walked into the ring, put it on, and then took it off. Yeah. Like, just for some... I mean, why not? I guess it looks cool. He's proud, you know, heritage and such, La Raza or whatever. Um, but also during this, during the introductions, and you, you know what I'm going to talk about, Orndorff decides to grab the mic. Weighing in at 250 pounds, from Atlanta, Georgia, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Hey, hey, Hector, do you know what a Reba means? Huh? It means swim a little faster, the border guards are coming. He asks Hector if Hector knows what Ariba means. Hector says yes. <laughs> do you know what it means? Orndorff says yes. It means, quote, swim a little faster. The border guards are coming. <gasps> oh, my God. I didn't see that. I wasn't even oh, handed the mic. This is what I happens when you guys tell me to turn my TV down. See? You're dicks. I, I just need to let that comment sink in. I mean, okay, it's 1992 at this point. I get it. Elian Gonzalez wasn't a thing yet, right? <laughs> holy fucking shit there's a reason that when i when i take notes for smoky mountain wrestling i close my office door and i shut my window <laughs> and put headphones on is it out of shame you don't want anybody to know you're watching this yeah and then uh that prompts hector i almost said eddie hector guerrero to roll around in the ring like yeah. on the floor 
I'm surprised nobody called them a fucking jumping bean or mentioned the jalapeno roll right there. <laughs> that was Is that was actually my next... jalapeno roll because they don't say it after that. That's true. We'll have to see going forward. I, well, he didn't hit the jalapeno roll. Spoilers. Um, that was actually my next note. Hector begins somersaulting around the ring for some reason to start the match. Um, Bob calls this something special, and for me, based on that fucking comment, uh, I would agree. This is definitely something special. Um, the two tie up with Orndorff getting the advantage and going behind with a waist lock. Guerrero uses his quickness that Bob likes to talk about to escape the, and the two lock up again. Hector takes Mr. Wonderful over with a snapmare. They just say, fuck it, get up back to their feet and lock up again, and Hector grabs a side headlock. Orndorff shoots him off the ropes, and Hector flips over a backdrop attempt. He rolls Orndorff up for a quick two-count before Orndorff bitches at the referee for missing a handful of tights. Randomly, we're introduced to referee Mark Curtis, who's making his debut tonight in Smoky Mountain Wrestling in the middle of this match. Because <laughs> why not? Um, back in the ring, after this profile, uh, we're back in the ring. The two tie up again with Orndorff pushing Hector back into the corner. Mr. Wonderful takes the advantage with hard rights, stomps, and a boot across the throat, which Bob confuses for a knee for good measure. A knee strike, snapmare, and an elbow drop are followed by a front face lock by Mr. Wonderful. Dutch, at this point, says that Orndorff has six to five odds of winning this match. Uh, Wood, is that good or bad? Help me out here. That's great. That's great. Okay. Can you repeat that, please? Six to five odds? Uh, Six to five odds. Yeah, what's that mean? That's good. It's it's yeah. like that. He didn't, no, you know what? That's that doesn't make any sense. That, no, that. <laughs> no, no, just no. I'm just seeing oh. an overarching theme of this. Just it no. doesn't make sense. <laughs> Six to five odds. That 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 doesn't make any sense. It, it's it's like when you go back, like if you're ever bored. Go back and watch like some Dusty Rhodes promos. And if they have them on the network or on YouTube, put on closed captioning. What he says makes no fucking sense like 90% of the time. <laughs> if you actually apply the words he's saying, they don't make sense. But he has this passion and intensity and conviction and all this shit his personality is just grabbing you. He could be fucking saying the alphabet and you'd sit there and you'd watch. Maybe about wipes and DVDs. But when you when you don't have that, you have the fucking commentary on Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It makes no sense and you're just sitting there going, huh? I feel I like if they had no commentary, it would be a better product. <sighs> I feel if we did commentary tracks, it might be a better podcast. <laughs> yes, we just got to think of something better than riff tracks. And six to five odds and fans? Well, you know, I mean, it doesn't make any sense because six to five, there are other options. I mean, that that only pays like 120. So it doesn't, it, in, in the thing, there are better odds is what I'm trying to say. I don't understand what he's trying to say. I, I, is I it know. possible this was just the product of consulting a shitty East Tennessee bookie? Uh, it could just yes. be some random shit he just said out loud that the didn't make any fucking I sense. Mean, no, I mean, six to five odds is a thing. I, I know that. But, um, you know, it, you, you take the bottom number. Oh, shit, I'm going to die because of you two. 
You take the bottom number. It's not our fault. It's Dutch Mantel's fault. Right. Yeah, you divide. Wait, let me remember how to do these horse this horse racing shit. You <laughs> okay? So you divide the number on the top by the bottom number, and you multiply it by hundred. A hundred, and those are your odds in horse racing. So when you put your money up first. I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that there's a better just a better way. Whoever so said that this, loses a lot of money on the ponies. So so could could this be potentially why Smoky Mountain runs into all their financial problems eventually? Yes, and they also have a character named Dixie. I Didn't have you to just mention somebody named Dixie? Yeah, the yes, uh, Dixie Dynamite. Yes, yes. See, that's they put that's cool. their accountant. Yes, that's their accountant. <laughs> Do you think Sandy Scott was maybe cooking the books a little bit from all those fundraisers that he was getting calls about? I don't think they were getting calls about fundraisers. <laughs> Not one. No, they they did, but they didn't pay one charity organization. Not one. They just fucking took they were, a lockbox. They were like, and oh, after all, yeah, they got in the car and took off to the next venue. The, the idea is that, um, you know, they say a share of the profits. There were no profits, or the gate, rather. You know, after all the expenses, I mean, you know, they, they know what they're doing. You know, all oh, the boys got to pay this much. The arena's got to be cost of the truck. We need money you know, for the, the, the recording studio. The fax machine, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> the fucking ring truck. Yeah. Oh. All right, so where the hell were we in this match? Okay, oh, so... North. Orndorff sends Hector to the outside. Mr. Wonderful continues to stomp and kick away at Hector before ramming him into the metal railing at ringside. Orndorff hits a suplex, followed by a dropkick. He lifts Hector and throws him off the ropes. Hector holds on, and he misses the other dropkick attempt. Hector rams Orndorff into the turnbuckle and follows him in with forearms to the face that take Mr. Wonderful down. Hector hits a dropkick and a European uppercut. Hector gets a two-count after a roll-up out of the corner. Hector goes up for a flying cross body, but Orndorff rolls through. With a handful of tights, Orndorff gets the win at 5 minutes, 36 seconds. No pile driver. Oh, there's a pile, There's a couple of pile drivers. <laughs> there's about $2,500 worth of pile drivers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sir, you're, you're mispronouncing that. It's $2,500. Worth of- <laughs> So um, he's probably going to have to pay that before he can continue to compete in non-scheduled wildcard elimination matches. I, I will say, though, that fucking pile driver, that was a fucking jumping fucking pile driver on Hector, that first one. That was a, I may be a racist trying to cripple my competitor pile driver. <laughs> it was fucking great. And I have a note here. Um, we should take a moment of silence to honor the memories of Hector Guerrero, Ben Jordan, Reno Riggins, and Joey Maggs, who are all presumably just murdered on syndicated television by the deadly maneuver known as the pile driver. Did you know they were on Fox 61? In Chattanooga. Yes. Our Fox affiliate is Fox 61 here in Connecticut. Oh. Yes. Uh, you should see if they'll show Smoky Mountain now. I know, right now, my lord. Um, so let's see. Oh, we forgot too the uh, the pile driver on the chair on Hector, which will come into play a little bit later. Uh, of course, after everybody gets the ever loving fuck beaten out of them, that's when Dixie Dynamite decides to run in and check on everybody after Orndorff leaves. <laughs> the guy who was there from the beginning and was too close to get in the ring. 
who who was really like standing like 10 feet away from the ring at this point when he was doing the promo um yeah uh so we get the fucking commercial for the fundraisers for the fifth time in a row um my note here back in the arena the gym we see two dark-haired bright red gear mulleted gentlemen make their way to the ring to another foreigner Duchess song because they don't have enough of those it's better than the black crows for jimmy golden uh dutch is quick to inform us that these gentlemen are in fact twins it's the no shit <laughs> bob mentions he's really excited to see what happens next and he may be the only one they but, come out to foreigners double vision so i'm looking down at my notebook taking notes about the 2500 dollars worth of pile drivers i hear that i go what the fuck i look up and i see identical twins that's the best you could do. Double it vision. What well, what would be we we've taken to rebooking this show a little bit here so far. What what would your alternative be? And keep in mind, we're talking nineteen ninety two. Oh shit! I don't know. Let me get on Wikipedia. <laughs> Google is uh, uh phones about duplicates. I don't know. A would, five what? over two because that's a two hundred and fifty percent return on your money. <laughs> God damn it! What um? What do you? What would be a good Hall and Oates song? Would what do you think? Oh Jesus Christ! There isn't any such thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Uh, I actually don't have one, but I think they could do better than a foreigner song. Maybe a song that's not related to the fact that they're identical duplicates. Maybe just give them some yeah. fitting ring music and not base their entire gimmick around the fact that they're identical twins. Well, you take that away. What else do they have? They're fucking horrible. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> Jim I mean, Cornette, that's, though. That's the... Yeah, but they're not blonde either. Jim Cornette put them up against a tag team that makes them, so, it overshadows them so much. This incredible tag team that we've been waiting weeks to find out who they are. And I believe he says that he went out and he had the best tag team in the company and it wasn't good enough. Right? Well, he he <laughs> much like the world fucking, wasn't good enough. Well, much like the fucking Hall of Fame speech that he gave this year, um, <laughs> the, the way Cornette put it was that he once managed the um, the Midnight Express, who were the greatest team in the world, but now he's bringing us the greatest tag team in the universe, the Heavenly Bodies. You know, if you people would shut up for a second, you might learn something. Do you realize that? You know, I managed one of the greatest tag teams of all time. They were the greatest team in the United States, but it wasn't enough. So then I went out and I managed the greatest tag team in the world, but that wasn't enough. So now I bring to Smokey Mountain Wrestling for the first time ever, the greatest tag team in the universe. Ladies and gentlemen, the Heavenly Bodies. You tell me some shit like that about how you did all the best and you got to get going out and got the greatest tag team in the universe and it's not a fucking xenomorph and a fucking tentacle monster. I'm immediately disappointed. <laughs> he didn't even leave the planet. So did you guys ever hear of a company called the UWF, the Universal Wrestling Federation? No. I have. Yes. Would Herb Abrams? Yeah, Jew, look look him up. He he went out like a champ, Herb Abrams. But this company came along called the UWF, the Universal Wrestling Federation. And the reason they were named the UWF 
is because universe is bigger than world as in world wrestling federation <laughs> and world championship wrestling so they had to be the universal wrestling federation wow actual that, thing that they had a tv deal on espn too that's the thing for me to look up later you, you actually you know what you need to do right now you need to look up herb abrams Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you will enjoy this man he has a very very small wikipedia it doesn't say anything um, oh yep, he was yep, found naked and covered in a vaseline type substance destroying furniture with a baseball bat in his new york office he was in the company of prostitutes at the time not long afterwards he died while in police custody of a heart attack he had cocaine stuck all over his body when he died. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> like a pro like a right. fucking pro. I figured you'd like that. That's that's all you need to know about him. It doesn't yes. matter. Nothing else matters. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. That's all his Wikipedia says. It says Herb Abrams, 1954, Universal Wrestling, whatever, who gives you shit. Cocaine and Vaseline-like substances. <laughs> With prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> See, Smoky Mountain needs some of that shit. Yeah. Um, God, do I even? I mean, we this the heavenly bodies. So we knew about it. We knew way before, so this was a big waste of time. Basically, the the only highlights of this for me, and I'm I'm kind of skimming my notes on this, was Cornette yelling at somebody in the crowd, calling them a backwater freak. <laughs> um, let's see if there's anything else fucking notable. I mean, it there was an wasn't. okay, sort of, not really a good match. It was fine. The heavenly bodies did their job. The, the duplicate twins tried. Oh, that's your theme song. The Double Mint Gum song. Double your pleasure. Double your pleasure. <laughs> oh, I shit. Mean, I, I, uh, I fucked up here. I should have actually mentioned um, the amazing nicknames that we get for the Heavenly Bodies. Yes. Um, the, Doctor of Desi- the Doctor of Desire, Dr. Tom Pritchard, and the Gangster of Love, Stan Lane. Gangster Love Stone from a song. He's already been known as Sweet Stan Lane his entire career. Did he really need the second lamer nickname? They um the commentary during the match kept reminding us of that too. Well yeah, because uh, Pritchard had one too. He, uh, Bob Cottle would go off and Dutch would be like, That's Dr. Pritchard. And then Stan Lane would say some shit and he'd be like, That's sweet Stan Lane, don't forget. Well, and we have to remember too, do you know the reason? that Stan Lane was brought in here. No. He was one half of the Midnight Express. So, of course, we have to get him in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Who the fuck was the other half of the Midnight Express? Aside from Tom Pritchard? Yeah. was a gentleman named Dennis Condry. We couldn't get that guy. We just got half, and they tried to make a new tag team. Well... Interesting you mention this because um, the reason I don't think anybody really would probably care, but Dennis Condry actually was retired at this point and he retired in a really, really amazing way. Um, Not as amazing as being covered in Vaseline and cocaine. Clearly, <laughs> it's a permanent retirement. This is a wrestling retirement. But um, he uh, just decided one time when he was actually in WCW, he just up and moved to Denver. And then just stopped answering his phone. And then they just let his contract run out and nobody really heard from him. He just up and left. 
and just moved into the mountains and just nobody ever heard from him for years. <laughs> just chopping wood like in Commando, waiting for that helicopter Something. to come calling back to wrestling. <laughs> and that's that's how we get Sweet Stan. The only so, yeah, real notable was... thing in the match that we just watched, supposedly, was that the twins kept doing all of their moves in tandem. And then after clearing the ring, they both jumped up and gave each other an air high five. <laughs> this was the first instance of twin magic, I think. But yeah, the match, the match went six minutes and 14 seconds, and the, there was really just nothing of note. Um, we go to commercial, and we come back for another local commercial for Chattanooga. It's, however, this one's actually worth watching because we get Dutch Mantel, Mr. Ron Wright, and Jimmy Golden. Uh, Dutch says that he hates Chattanooga with a deep purple passion, and he'd rather take a bull whipping at sunup than go back here. He says the people there are horrid, they stink, they have summer teeth. Some are there, some are missing. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> and he just hates to go to the town. Dutch says that he, however, Dutch says that he signed an open contract, and he's going to lay his opponent out like he's on the table at a mortuary and spit on him which is oddly specific. Uh, he tells Bob to use proper respect when he talks to his friend, Mr. Ron Wright. Bob promises that he will, but talks to Jimmy Golden instead. Uh, Golden says that he feels the same way about Chattanooga. He's been there many times, but he's never lost a match and doesn't plan to. For some reason, he's looking forward to coming back to a place he hates, and he looks forward to seeing those hillbillies one more time. I still don't understand why he's looking forward to going somewhere he hates, but sure. Um, That's right. Mr. Ron, Mr. Ron Wright gets his turn. He says it will be a pleasure being back in Chattanooga. He's wrestled there for about the last 20 years before he got crippled and put into the wheelchair. He's never lost a match there either. He's going to be there with the dirty white boy, and they're going to kick people from one end of Chattanooga to the other. Uh, back into the gym, Bob Cottle standing by with Jim Cornette and the Heavenly Bodies. Cornette says the Heavenly Bodies have beaten every team worth beating and have had every woman worth having. They are the idols of millions and the conquerors of more, and they know all the words to the long version of American Pie. Uh, Pritchard takes over and says that they're not here for the weatherman. Punctuation and public speaking skills are important, kids. Anyway, Pritchard says that everybody knows the weather stinks around here. He says they're definitely not there for the women hanging around the tri-state area because, as he looks around, he doesn't see any women worth having. He also says they're not there for their, their health because if you look around, you can see that they're in perfect health. They're here for titles and money, which actually... <laughs> You're in the wrong spot. My, my, typo, my, my typo in this is actually better than the promo itself. Um, my note here says they're here for the titties and money. <laughs> He challenges, he challenges any team to step into the ring with them if they think they're bad enough to take them on. Connell says, we'll see you next week as we cut to a graphic for the next show. Next week, in another wild card match, we're going to see Carl Stiles versus Dixie Dynamite and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff or versus Davey Rich, or as I almost wrote, Davey Richards, as the episode comes to a close. Your thoughts on this first one, guys? It was baffling as usual. It was, it started off strong, and then I quickly remembered why am I watching Smoky Mountain Wrestling once again? We had promise those last, the, our last episode, 
that we did. I thought those two were pretty good, but yeah, we really regressed here. Um, and, Wood, uh, how many times did you picture It was a clusterfuck? It was a clusterfuck. I didn't think it was a clusterfuck. I, I, I saw it was a seamless storyline. Uh, they told a great story <laughs> on the matches. <laughs> um, what the I, fuck were you watching? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, neither do we. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, I didn't mind it too much. I, I actually kind of enjoyed it, except for uh, um, uh, what should we call it? Um, the racism <laughs> from Paul Warndorf? No, no, that's totally acceptable. Um, a rebut. <laughs> uh, I I cannot stand um, Jim Cornette. I just can't. Really, hit dude. I don't like him. Are the best part. I just don't. I know everybody likes him. I do not like him. I don't like sir. Him. He knows all the words to the long version of American Pie. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It's I not, love that line. I not, don't know why, but I fucking love that. There's not but that. Then again, this, there's not like no different words. Well, I was going to say, just judging by the fact that I'm the one that pretty much conceived this concept of a podcast to, hey, let's watch Smoky Mountain Wrestling, that yeah. obviously shows flawed judgment. So. Yeah, we torture my friends on the internet. Yeah, you're lucky. Yeah, you're fucking it, right? Oh, boy. All right. Match of the Night MVP? Oh, no. We're, we are but halfway done, my friend. Okay. <laughs> I forgot we don't do that at the end of every episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and and with good reason, because a that one sucked, and our fucking opener for episode twelve is already the greatest thing ever. It, it's match of the podcast. I don't care. Um, so now we're gonna we're gonna do a little time travel here. It's Saturday, April eighteenth, nineteen ninety two. Episode twelve of Smoky Mountain Television coming to us once again from the Hancock County High School somewhere in East Tennessee. The all-too-familiar trio of Bob Cottle, Dutch Mantel, and Carl Stiles welcome us to another action-packed episode. The Human Furniture. Bob, <laughs> Bob tells us that tonight we'll be seeing the Hall of Fame Eye of Gibson in action, the debut of Nature Boy Buddy Landell, and we'll get to hear what Bob Armstrong has to say about Paul Orndorff's actions last week, and also, with that, an update on the condition of Hector Guerrero. Dutch takes over and tells us that tonight Carl Stiles, who is awkwardly trying to get on camera but is obstructed by Dutch's giant cowboy hat, will be wrestling Dixie Dynamite in a wild card match in the Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Title Tournament. Bob tries to push the subject once again of Carl's whereabouts for the last three to four weeks, but Dutch just blows it off, saying, quote, he doesn't know, and that he was, quote, somewhere, which appears to annoy Stiles just a little bit. Bob sends us down to the ring for our first match of the evening. Guys, are you are you ready for this? I don't know if Genuinely, I'm ready. Are, are we prepared for this? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's pretty big. My 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 note here I have is this episode is already better than the last one because already in the ring, the man himself, Hustler Rip Rogers, dot dot oh, dot yeah. ho holy shit. His opponent for the night, the eye of Gibson. He saw it coming. He was ready. This is the moment this entire podcast has built up to already and as when i wrote this i actually put a note here i am fucking giddy for this uh opening much strong. to wood's 
<laughs> Much to Wood's delight, Rogers does a little shimmy and a grind as he removes his ring jacket. He really does. Cottle tells us that Rogers claims he's in better shape or he's in better condition than any wrestler that steps into the ring. He's working out constantly and he doesn't have an ounce of body fat on him. I just have a note here. Hashtag blonde twinks. Dutch says that the hustler man <laughs> is a marathon man and in great shape. He mentions that if Rogers beats Gibson, it would destroy Gibson's confidence heading into the tournament. Rogers hits the mat after a shoulder tackle and gets locked into a side headlock. Rogers shoots Gibson off the ropes, but he hits the mat again due to another shoulder tackle. They reset again, and another series of shoulder tackles, and a headlock gets Rogers down for a two count. Rogers counters and has Gibson in a head scissors. Gibson floats out and applies another fucking headlock. Rogers shoots him into the ropes. They break out the crisscross, which I haven't seen in fucking forever, before Rogers goes down to a hip toss. Gibson covers, but only gets two. Both men get up, and Gibson applies yet another headlock to slow this pace down. At this point, Dutch tells us that Rip Rogers is from Seymour, Indiana, and so is John Mellencamp. Rogers actually went to school with him, and they're basically still BFFs at this point. Then the ring, Rogers is taken down yet again with a headlock, rolled over, and only gets a two count. They make their way back to their feet, and Rogers backs Gibson into the corner. Rogers is sent across the ring and explodes out with a clothesline on Gibson. Rogers stomps away at the midsection of Gibson, covers, and gets a two count. Rogers picks up Gibson and tries to slam him, but Gibson, oh, I'm sorry. Rogers picks him up and tries to slam Gibson's good eye into the turnbuckle, but Gibson sees a counter and hits 10 of his own. He applies another headlock, but Rogers counters with an Irish whip. Rogers kind of hits a DDT and covers for a two count. He argues with the referee about the two count, which gives the eye of Gibson an opening that he saw coming from a mile away to hit a bulldog <laughs> and get the three count at five minutes and seven seconds. So how do you guys feel about headlocks and about 50 of them? <laughs> They're the two best men at what they do. Yeah. Um, Rip Rogers, always a pleasure. It was great watching him when he would like slam, slam Gibson into the mat and whatnot, and he would just go, yeah, I'd like to do shit like that. Totally classic. Gibson looked tired, but I guess that comes from constantly having to watch your back. Um, it's hard to see everything at once. It's true. I Literally. thought the finish was kind of dumb. It was like, of course, Rip Rogers would get hit from behind and, uh, you know, busy showboating and not realize it. Uh, the move was pretty whack. It was like a fucking face crusher or something, but it's like, yeah, that wouldn't happen to Gibson. Gibson always keeps one eye on the opponent and one eye behind his back. <laughs> I actually, when I tweeted out a picture of the uh, the two of them in the ring, somebody actually pointed out to me that Gibson's bad eye was actually looking at the referee, and the good eye was looking at Rip Rogers. He was seeing if the ref was looking so he could get in there and cheat. Oh man! My uh, my biggest thing with this one though was the it happened a couple of times. I mean, th this match wasn't the smoothest thing in the world, and. Cottle and Dutch kind of pointing out like sloppy moves and botching and oh we're not sure if this connected and blah 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 I mean that was pretty bad like you really shouldn't be pointing that shit out oh this kind of looked right. like shit folks I'm sorry this kind of looked like shit fans shitting on your own product yeah that's yeah just, that was probably my biggest gripe with it but what do you think Wood I I enjoyed it of course um I had already had an idea what was I didn't realize it was the opening match. So that that's what that that was exciting for me. Um, I I you know I I actually like Robert Gibson. Um, 
uh, and the eye of Gibson. Uh, Rip Rogers, of course, is funny. He 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 did not age well. <laughs> I just <laughs> no. I don't know well, what he, else he did, to say. He did uh, kind of get hit by a car at one point. Oh, did he really? I was not aware of this. He um, should have watched where he was going. Yeah, I see. He should have channeled the eye of Gibson. Fuck it. Somebody said, "Look Listen out!" He didn't know where to look. Right. Oh, <laughs> God. My my closing note on this match was: this match was fucking iconic. Five billion stars. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Yeah. Ow. So we're going to commercial at this point, and we're promised an update on last week's tragic incident. It was so tragic. I'm sure we're going to get a replay of the entire thing. And that's exactly what happens. Um, my only gripe with that segment is in the recap, we did not get a uh, second airing of the fucking Ariba comment uh, from the previous episode. Uh, we get the replay of the pile driver on the chair on Hector. After that, we kind of abruptly cut in those wonderful production values that we've come to know and love. Uh, we get an extreme close up of Hector Guerrero's wispy mustache and the neck brace that he's currently wearing. Um, I have a note here that he kind of looks like a math teacher when we pan back and we see that he's wearing those glasses and a blazer. Um, Hector cuts a great little promo here where he says he's never going to forgive Orndorff for what he did to him. All Hector did was come out with good intentions to wrestle him fair and square, and look what happened. Um, at this point, I noticed that Hector says that Orndorff pile drove him on the floor, which actually never happened, and then he just <laughs> mentions his family to feed. Um, he tells Orndorff what he plants he's going to sow, and he says that he doesn't forget easy and that he's coming back. And when he does come back, he's coming after Orndorff. Oh boy. That so they, doesn't they matter the because Orndorff has a hell of a comeback for that. I was just waiting for him to say Bruce Willis will probably keep making action movies because you know what they say about old habits. They need to swim faster because the border patrol is coming. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh man, we I didn't a, say old we, Cubans in habits. <laughs> we get a fade transition to Bob Cottle standing by with Mister Wonderful. Cottle says that he wants to know he wants to know what happened last week, as I guess he wasn't watching the replay of everything that happened. Uh, he says that uh, Orndorff seriously injured Hector Guerrero and about four or five other people which makes Paul Orndorff start laughing. Uh, Mr. Wonderful says that professional wrestling is a tough sport, and if you can't handle the heat, you need to get out of the kitchen. He says it's just like a woman, not so much getting pile drivers onto steel chairs, but that a woman's place is in the kitchen, quote, rattling around those pots and pans and changing babies' diapers, which to me just doesn't sound sanitary. Uh, <laughs> 92 is before Clorox wipes, people. Um, Orndorff says that he doesn't care who he has to step in the ring with. If he needs to, he's using the pile driver. He's beaten everyone in the world with it, and he's the best at it. He says he's going to end a lot of people's careers with it, and before he can go on, here comes Commissioner Armstrong. Armstrong says that he's thoroughly disgusted by what he did to Hector. He says there's no way the pile driver is going to be legalized. You know why? Not because he's the commissioner and his word is just the way of the law of the land. He says because 25 years ago when he started wrestling, he saw a very young man in Griffin, Georgia, get hit with a pile driver and he never walked again. 
Um, at this point, I have a note here. Orndorf is so entertained by the story of paralysis, he spits on the ground. Uh, Armstrong, however, gets Tragic his attention story. by announcing... He's, he's going to... Uh, he gets his attention by announcing that he's going to fine Paul Orndorf $2,500 for his actions last week. All Orndorf can do is laugh. He tells Commissioner Armstrong that Armstrong good and well knows that he makes $2,500 a minute. And oh, Jesus Christ. Now, Armstrong says... Go on, go on. Did, did, did go I on. miss something? No, 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 go on. I jumped okay. the shark. Arms, this fucking promotion jumped the shark. Armstrong says that he hopes Orndorff has a big fat checkbook because every pile driver is going to cost him twenty five hundred dollars. That's they the thing. A shot I was at Mr. At. Wonderful. They the have checkbook. No, I have a feeling that Paul Orndorff, because I'm like they got him around. He doesn't do anything. Why do they have him? Yeah, all he does is bitch about the pile driver. Now it makes sense. I think they only keep him around so that when they need a couple bucks, they let him wrestle. He throws a couple pile drivers. They find him money that he makes instantly. Apparently, he's they probably the only thing keeping this. Yeah, he's the only thing keeping this place afloat right now. <laughs> Tapping into those WrestleMania one royalties from when he beat Hogan. Mm-hmm. They keep so him we, pissed we off. Another... They don't let him wrestle, so that when he does wrestle, he snaps, does a pile driver he's not allowed to do, and then they can find him twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> WNBC. <laughs> oh my god, that's a dated reference. Holy fuck. Uh we get another wonderful local commercial. Um I might need somebody to Google this, but um was this for a show in Arrogant, Tennessee? Yes. I, I kept hearing Arrogant Tennessee, and I'm like, what the fuck? That is actually the name of a city, yep. Really? Holy fuck, mm -hmm. I thought I heard that wrong. Um, I wonder how big their Civic Coliseum is. Um, this is a promo that we get hyping up the Volunteer Slam with none other than old White Lightning Tim Horner. Um, I don't know why they're talking about the Volunteer Slam because that's not the show that Bob Caudle started talking about because the fucking Volunteer Slam is not an arrogant Tennessee. So, yeah, Tim Horner fucks that up and then primetime Brian Lee comes in and cuts a very generic and nervous promo that basically amounts to wrestling is his full-time job and he's going to be in Knoxville. Good for him. <laughs> we abruptly cut from the promo back to the ring for the introductions of Mr. Wonderful Paul, or Paul Orndorff and his opponent for tonight, Davey Rich. Um, I have a note here that says, Davey Rich could be a bastard child of Jerry Lawler. That is... Uh, yeah, oh my god, look at that. Yeah, I, I see that. It, it's like, at it. it. It's just strange. I mean, it's Southern wrestling, so I'm sure Lawler... Well, I don't know, he's kind of old. In bread wrestling? If Lawler... Well, if Lawler got a girl from middle school... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would probably work out. Anyway, um, we get a hell of a struggle to get the bell rung to start this match. Uh, Rich takes control of the shoulder block that stuns Orndorff. Dutch says that he can't believe that Smoky Mountain Wrestling is trying to put a huge name like Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff in the same category as a, quote, local yokel like Hector Guerrero or Dixie Dynamite. Orndorff takes control and beats Rich down in the corner. He sends him across the ring, but it's reversed and Rich hits a hip toss. A quick drop kick and Orndorff rolls out to the floor to regroup. 
At this point, the crowd begins to chant Paula at Orndorff as he gets back into the ring. Gets back into the ring. The two lock up again, and Orndorff takes Rich down with a drop toe hold. Rich recovers and cinches in a hammer lock on Orndorff. Mr. Wonderful slowly makes his way to his feet, but Rich cranks on the arm once again to keep the hold going. Caudle runs down at Caudle at this point runs down the list of people Paul Orndorff injured last week. After every name, Dutch just says, "Good <laughs> fans, good fans." Rich retains control with an arm bar. That's hold number one thousand and three. If you're keeping track at home. Uh, the crowd continues chanting Paula as Orndorff slowly gets to his feet, so I'm unsure if they're trying to rally him or trying to mock him. Orndorff shoots Rich into the ropes, and Rich hits a crossbody for good for a two count. Rich takes Orndorff back to the mat with another armbar. Back on their feet, Orndorff shoots Rich into the ropes, and he goes down to another shoulder tackle. He makes his way to his feet and throws Rich to the outside. He follows him to the outside, lifts him up, and drops him throat first on the guardrail. Dutch runs down Orndorff's past accomplishments, such as beating Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, which we haven't heard already 50 million fucking times. Uh, Rich is rolled into the ring, and Orndorff goes up to the top rope. He tries to hit an axe handle, but Rich hits a punch to the midsection instead. Orndorff is able to get back to his feet and hit a massive fucking clothesline that flips Rich over his ass. Orndorff signals for the pile driver, but just walks back over to Rich, covers him, and wins in 6 minutes and 33 seconds. Orndorff is the greatest. I'm so glad he didn't use the pile driver. You know, he beat Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan once. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm surprised they didn't tell us that a couple of times to make sure we knew. (laughs) Seems kind of important. It is. I I guess it is. I mean, he sold out buildings all over the world. All over the world. He crippled five guys last week and thought it was hysterical. Crippled five guys last week and thought it was hysterical. This is a guy... Who, if I had never watched wrestling, which I know it's kind of a fucking stretch, but tune into Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I don't know who the fuck he is. I don't know why he matters. All it's all it is is what he's saying. Put him in the ring and let him actually like do some real fucking matches. Like show him off. Like it's these little shit ass fucking terrible ass matches against fucking terrible ass wrestlers or racist squash matches, and he's yelling about a pile driver and shit. I don't under like if I didn't know who Paul Orndorff was, I wouldn't know the pile driver was a relevant thing to him except for him bitching about it. Right. Well, Wood, did you notice that clothesline that Orndorff hit him with the gimpy arm instead of his good arm? No, I didn't. Yeah. I did so that his his, at, his fucking atrophied, atrophied right arm, arm. Right, right. Apparently oh, wow. is either loaded or has superpowers. <laughs> oh, man. So at this point, we're sent back to the announcer's area where Bob Cottle is standing by with Dutch's good friend, Mr. Ron Wright. Bob says he's with the dirty white boy, but he's not. It's just Ron Wright. Uh, Mr. Wright says he's got... (laughs) You can't even get that right? Oh, man. He's he's standing right in front of him, which just... Right, right. God damn it. Um. Mr. Wright says that he's got the dirty white boy out street fighting in alleys around the area. He says that last week the uh, police sicked a couple German police dogs on him and the and the dirty white boy bit one of the police dogs and the dog got rabies. Makes no uh, fucking sense. It doesn't have to. Uh, they sent it to a replay of the dirty white boy wrestling from a few weeks ago just 
sucks because uh, back in the studio, Caudle says that Mr. Wright has a glow to him when he watches what that man can do. Mr. Wright agrees and says that the fans insulted him when they didn't send him in, send in their money. He says that at the volunteer slam, the dirty white boy is finally going to be turned loose and nobody will be able to stop him. He pities all those wrestlers that have to go up against him and all those fans that have insulted him. Uh, for some reason, Mr. Wright appears to have some chest pains as Caudle sends us to a commercial. Uh, we have an old woman in the crowd that appears to smell something terrible as we head to the commercial. Up next, the heavenly bodies come out in a moment. I just have a note here that says the gay community. I don't know why. Uh, high school, you mean? They're, they're coming out. High school. That's a stretch. Oh, they're coming out. Yeah. I get yeah. it. That's, uh, that's a stretch. I pretty much, I think I wrote this at three o'clock in the morning, so Ow. forgive me. Uh, we go to an interview with Edward's favorite Ow. Jim Cornette and the Heavenly Bodies. Ugh. How about those fucking sunglasses on Stan Lane? How the f- how fucking high do you think he was to have to wear those sunglasses inside? Mm. You know, I, uh, I think a very good business venture back in the day, and I don't think anybody did it, and it's a shame. Stand outside of an arena and sell sunglasses to all the wrestlers. What are those? What are those plastic that run around, wrap around your head, like they wrap around? Uh, fuck. Oh God, those fucking wrap around like Ray Bans. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, they don't even look like sunglasses. They just look like some kind of yeah, like safety goggles. Star Wars. Yeah, something. Yeah, it's like so stupid. So. Cornette, instead of actually giving us something entertaining, says he knows there's a tape of Danny Davis and Joey Maggs' comments about the Heavenly Bodies, and he wants to see that first. We cut to a, some pre-recorded comments of Nitro Danny Davis rocking a sweet long-sleeve Harley Davidson shirt with a shit ton of eagles on it. Um, he's standing next to Joey Maggs, who appears to be King Guido from the looks of things. Uh, Nitro says that nobody gave them a chance, but look what happened. Deja vu. You never know. Nitro and Mags might come out on top. As they continue to beam with confidence, Mags says that his neck may not be 100%, but an opportunity like this doesn't come along very often. He doesn't care what they have to do. He's going to wrestle, and they're going to win. Nothing is going to stop him from wrestling and them from winning. Uh, rather than leave well enough alone, Danny Davis has to get the last word when he says, we're going to be there, so all of Smoky Mountain Wrestling's fans should look for them. Smoky Mountain Wrestling, coming to you. Eventually. Uh, eventually. Yes. It's going to take a lot longer than they thought now. So here's, here's the highlight of the fucking show for me, aside from Rip Rogers. Cornette takes over the segment and says that, as every woman here can testify to, this is the hottest thing in sports going today. Cornette says that if Mags thinks his neck hurts now, it's going to look like a rubber band after next week. He calls Danny Davis a munchkin as Tom Pritchard, for some reason, turns around, turns his back to the camera and decides to fluff his hair. Here we fucking go. Right, Stanfield. I want to talk about something today that's of utmost importance to the heavenly bodies. No, I'm not talking about tag team tournaments. I'm not talking about wrestling rankings. 
I'm talking about something that's very, very important to us. I'm talking sexual harassment. That's right. Wow. Let me tell you something. These poor, deprived, fat, corn-fed women, ever since the heavenly bodies have come to Smoky Mountain Wrestling, have been groping, have been pawing at us in a sexual way, and we're sick of it. I'm going to notify the authorities. I've already talked to Commissioner Bob Armstrong, and we're going to put a stop to this. You keep your nasty, greasy, sweaty, fat palms off the heavenly bodies or I'm going to have to contact the authorities and have something done about it. Cornette throws it over to Stanfield, who says in a very monotone voice that the most important thing to the heavenly bodies isn't a tournament. It isn't titles. It's sexual harassment. This part kills me. Bob Cottle looks completely fucking dumbfounded at this point. Stan says these poor, deprived, fat, corn-fed women have been groping them ever since they've come to Smoky Mountain Wrestling. <laughs> He's notified the authorities and Commissioner Armstrong, and they're going to put a stop to this. Keep your nasty, sweaty, greasy, as he says, fat palms off of them. Cornette says they're going to press charges, but more importantly, they're going to press Danny Davis and Joey Maggs next week. They're going to press and press and press until they go to the volunteer slam. He ends the interview by saying they're going to have new belts made since the belts they have now don't look good enough to be around these wastes. What a fucking weird segment that was. Yeah, I was never, I was not expecting the sexual harassment turn. Neither was Bob Cottle. <laughs> it looked like he had a stroke. <laughs> God damn. Oh, terrible. Oh, shit. All right. So up next, the Nature Boy debuts. Whoa, boy. Man, if you're... Okay, say you're flipping through the fucking channels, okay? And maybe mm -hmm. you're a bit of a lapsed wrestling fan. You see the words on your screen, the Nature Boy debuts. That's, you know, that's intentionally what they were doing. Exactly. Oh, yeah. You sit through the commercials. The fucking show comes back on, and you see this fucking asshole in a shitty Ric Flair knockoff robe with bleach blonde hair coming out to fucking right said Fred. <laughs> this fucking bargain basement fuck? fucking hairless Rip Rogers <laughs> wearing the same fucking robe as fucking... Rick Flair. What were mm -hmm. they thinking? But you know exactly you know what I'd actually, what thinking. You know what I'd actually really love to see somebody do? What? Somebody needs to fucking dub in right said Fred to Rick Flair's entrance from WrestleMania 24. <laughs> his retirement match with a super uh, long ramp. And you have all these majestic fireworks going off behind him in his beautiful, long, flowing robe. You just hear, I'm a model. <laughs> Somebody needs to make that happen. <sighs> all right. You know what? This match was painful, and I hate Buddy Landell. I say we, we take a moment here to collect our thoughts before we, we continue on, and mainly this is my excuse to take a piss break. Deal? Oh, yeah. 
Fans, if you'd like to raise money for your school, club, or civic organization, and you'd like to see the excitement of Smoky Mountain Wrestling live in your hometown, this message is for you. High school and college athletic departments, sports teams, police and fire departments, JCs, civic groups, or any group wishing to raise money can bring the stars of Smoky Mountain Wrestling to town for a night of action and receive a portion of the receipt. Write to us or call Sandy Scott at 703-989-6819. Smoky Mountain Wrestling and your civic group, an unbeatable tag team. Oh, God. All right. Are we able to get through a Buddy Landell match? I'm on Buddy Landell. You know what I mean. Me. I'm just going to dub in Red Sid Fred over this whole part. Mm. All right. So let's see. Uh, Buddy Landell sucks. Um, Bob Cottle, though, does pay a very nice compliment during this match to Reno Riggins, telling him that he uh, he can tell he's gutting it up after that pile driver last week. Uh, let's see. This match sucks. This match sucks. This match still sucks. Okay. Ever so, suck a dick? <laughs> Did this match suck a dick? Landell hits a corkscrew elbow drop, locks in I'm the figure four. Too sexy for wrestling. For the camera. Riggins wins. For wrestling. I wish Riggins won. Landell wins at five minutes and ten seconds. So we get a replay of the finish. Buddy wanders away uh, his way over to Bob Cottle. Uh, Nature Boy blurts out that he said something about his mama, so he had to go stomp him again. Uh, Cottle reminds him that he's getting a buy into the first round of the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Heavyweight Title Tournament. Landell tells us that we just saw why he got that buy because nobody from Paul Orndorff to Sweet Stan wants to wrestle the Nature Boy. He says he's way too good and that he's in Smoky Mountain Championship Wrestling. He says at the Volunteer Slam, the Nature Boy Buddy Landell is going to be walking out with the belt. He says he hopes those pig farmers out there, or he says those pig farmers out there need to smarten up. And then he storms off. I'd like to see like farming pigs, like they're, you're planting pigs in the ground and then they're growing? Or I would assume so. I'd like to point out that uh, Buddy Landell has indeed died in uh, 2015. At the age of fifty-three, uh, before he got a chance to see uh, the fantastic uh, retirement tour, <laughs> uh, Buddy Landell also very That's famous true. for a fucking hefty drug problem uh, that pretty much ran him out of every company ever. Ever, I guess. But was it all natural? Well, he's the Nature Boy. Of course, it was from the earth. Opium and weed. And Smoky Mountain Championship Wrestling, folks. Um, yep. Smoky. On our on-screen graphics at this point tell us that Dixie Dynamite explodes after this. I wonder if he's going to explode on Nitro Danny Davis. Or Oliver Boris Karloff's chin or whatever his name was. <laughs> Boris Karloff. I forgot his fucking name. Ivan Koloff? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that'll work. Pick a Russian. Works. Yes, whatever. <laughs> Just call him Koloff. That's fine. Back from commercial, we're shown the updated bracket for the Smoky Mountain Wrestling title tournament. We've got a matchup between Brian Lee and Paul Orndorff, while the winner of our main event tonight between Carl Stiles and Dixie Dynamite is all set to face Nature Boy Buddy Landell at the Volunteer Slam. It's now time for our main event of the evening. 
already in the ring, Carl Styles and an impressive amount of fucking back knee. It's disgusting, oh, dude. Oh, oh my. Uh, he's not even like cut. Like you would think a guy that's obviously doing that much fucking juice would he's be like, like ripped with like a big pack. He's just a flabby mess, and it sucks that he had been trained by Dutch Mantel. Yeah, Dutch fucked up on this one. Yeah, big time. Um, Maybe if Dutch got in the fucking ring instead of fucking wasting time on this job, or he'd win <laughs> enough matches to qualify for the Volunteer Slam Invitational non-scheduled bracket elimination tournament. <laughs> oh, so the poster child for diversity, Dixie Dynamite, is out next and gets a pretty good reaction. Uh, the two lock up with Styles getting the advantage with a knee to the gut. He rams Dixie into the corner and shoots him off the ropes. Dixie reverses into a hip toss and hits a body slam before Styles rolls to the outside. Dutch calls Styles a knucklehead because he didn't teach him that. Styles gets back in the ring and they get into a shoving match. Carl swings and misses and gets caught with two body slams. Dixie covers, but only gets two. Dixie comes off the middle rope, look, uh, hits an and hits an axe handle. At this point, Dutch is just going off on Carl, calling him an idiot, calling him an imbecile. Carl has Dixie back into the corner and hammers away. He shoots Dixie into the ropes, misses a clothesline, and Dixie lands a crossbody, which is good for a two count. Dixie grabs a headlock, but gets backed into the ropes and starts getting pounded on. Styles shoots him into the ropes. It's reversed, but Dixie misses the dropkick. Styles decides to bite the mask of Dixie Dynamite for some reason, then throws him face first into the mat. Bob starts pushing where Carl Styles was again on commentary, to which Dutch says, quote, I don't know. He was probably drunk. He really did say that. <laughs> Styles drops Dixie with a backbreaker and covers, but only gets two. Dutch calls Carl an idiot as he throws Dixie into the ropes. He goes for a backdrop, but Dixie jumps over and starts to punch away at Styles. As Styles gets back into the corner and chopped, Dutch calls Carl a moron. Dixie shoots him to the opposite corner and follows, with, follows him in with a clothesline. He climbs and hits eight corner punches on Styles, maybe because the Confederacy did not approve of ten. I don't know why. Okay, I got nothing on that one, but it's eight corner punches, and that's just kind of weird. Uh, at this point, Dutch bails from the announced position and makes his way to ringside, saying that he has to go tell Carl Styles something. Styles reverses an Irish whip and hits the power slam. At this point, Dutch decides to get on the apron and calls Carl over. Carl turns around after, uh, sorry, after the conversation. Carl turns around and is immediately met with the Confederate kick, is covered, and loses at four minutes and seven seconds in our main event of the evening. Fucking terrible. <laughs> Dutch is back on commentary and says he doesn't know what happened. He calls Carl a moron. He berates Carl to his face once Carl walks over to the commentary table and asks him, how are you going to be a champion if you can't do what I tell you? We abruptly cut to a slow motion replay with a phone number on it telling us how to get Smoky Mountain in their town or in your town. It's like intrusive ads before the internet existed. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it, I mean, the first, the last episode we watched, I think I counted like seven times during the, whatever that they fucking kept just pushing, 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 pushing. And now we get this. Uh, we get another local ad with Bob for our upcoming shows. Uh, he's joined by Mr. Ron Wright and Jimmy Golden. 
Stop me if you've heard this before, but Mr. Wright says he's disgusted by the lack of donations for poor old Ron Wright, and now he can't get his open heart surgery or his hip implant. He mentions he has dirty white boy out there walking the streets, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't that make him a prostitute? <laughs> Rip Rogers should be out there. Yeah. yeah. Shit. Shit, yeah. Um, he says that dirty white boy is also kicking people's teeth out, biting dogs, and doing whatever he has to do. He says that after the volunteers slam, people need to pay attention to the dirty white boy and Ron Wright. Jimmy Golden takes over and says he's going to send him a donation and shakes Mr. Wright's hand. He says that he needs to hang in there because the dirty white boy is going to win it all. But if he doesn't, Jimmy Golden will. He tells us Robert Gibson needs to bring more than Ajax when he steps into the ring with him, sonny boy. At this point, Caudle decides to call it the Knoxville Slam for some reason, and we go to yet another interview. Now we have Bob Caudle joined by the Fantastics and Brian Lee. Bob mentions the Volunteer Grand Slam coming up and asks Primetime if he's ready. Lee says he is ready. He's geared up, and on May 22nd, Primetime Brian Lee is stepping into the ring with seven other opponents, which I guess now makes this entire show a battle royal. Lee says he doesn't know who it is, even though the brackets are already all set and have been on the show the entire time, and that the Fantastics are fired up too, and they're coming at you, Knoxville. Bobby Fulton, who I hear is on a retirement tour in 2017, says he gets really excited when he thinks about that long, hard road to Knoxville. Short and be stroking. (laughs) There's a lot of great times, or great times, a lot of great teams gunning for those Smoky Mountain tag titles, but he guarantees that if all the great people out there get behind the Fantastics, he doesn't care what team it is, they can win it all. We're shown an on-screen graphic. One of the matches we're going to see for next week's show, the Heavenly Bodies take on Danny Davis and Joey Maggs. And our show comes to a close. Thoughts on this episode? Not as good as the previous one. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually did enjoy this. Um, I... I think for me, the, the, the thing is that's so amazing is that it's, it's, there's not, it's not a lack of continuity. It's like, they don't care if there's continuity or not. It it, it doesn't mean shit to them. So what are you doing? You fucking insane cat. Um, so (laughs) it's like continuity there, but it works. Their shit doesn't work. They're like, you know, oh, well, you know, whatever. Let's just, you know, play it by ear every fucking week. Caudle fucked up. And I had him written down here as an honorable mention for MVP because he found a way to fuck up the name of the first big show this company is running in consecutive segments. But he did so in different ways. It's not (laughs) like he was consistently saying the wrong name. He fucked it up two different ways in two different segments. Yeah. (laughs) And. He's supposed to be like the serious voice of reason. And um, he, he has no idea what's going on. I did, I, did, I can't take it. It's gone to the point where I can't take wheelchair guys serious anymore. So it's just, it's like a laugh. Yeah. I, I just laugh every single time now. Now, okay, dude, if you were poor and collecting money, right? This is my thought process, right? You were getting generic. Why were you paying full brand for a full brand anyway, right? What's wrong with generic prescriptions, you dumb old fuck? 
So well, they, they don't they don't work as good as, for him. They work exactly the same. Oh, that's always the argument with the pills. Is always like, why do I have to buy the expensive ones when generic works the same? Yeah, uh, shut up, old man. <laughs> I, I mean, they're obviously they're trying to to just really go over the top with it. I get that, but it it's not really to me. Like, I still love it. Like, I look forward to what comes out of his mouth because he is kind of like a crazy old man at this point. Yeah, but it, it just it needs to saying. progress. We need something, right. you know. Oh I just want to actually have something that I can watch and not watch it because it's a train wreck. I, <laughs> I think you're asking see, for a little because there are matches that I actually did like. I just don't remember what they are because they're so overshadowed by what I don't like, like Nature Boy Buddy Landell. Right. Ah, oh, I've burned my finger. Sorry. It's, it's the stupidity important. just kind of beats okay. you, beats you over the head with a fucking hammer to the point where you you really just you lose track of the actual things you enjoyed. Oh, oh, hey, Nature Boy Buddy Landell was trained by Boris Malenko. Okay, so it, we'll have to take this one out on Dean, I guess. But I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna make this worse. He he got into professional wrestling because he met Barry Orton. When his sister was dating him, Barry Orton. No, yeah, you didn't know the more uh, the the much more famous uh, uh, older brother of um, Randall Orton, Bob Orton did he, Jr. <laughs> did he also shit in women's gym bags? I would assume so. He's the uncle of the call fans the N word. I would uh, that I definitely know. So you know. Uh. <laughs> All right, so. Match of the night, Wood? Uh, the match of the night was the wrestling card with a Landell Ric Flair main event in July 1985 <laughs> broke Elvis Presley's attendance record in Dorton Arena in Raleigh, North Carolina. I was uh, really yes. hoping you were going to make reference to an appearance of uh, Bobby Fulton on the retirement tour of 2017. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Bobby the Fulton gasoline tour. Of uh, twenty seven, <laughs> um, uh, the opener, um, Eye of Orton, and I mean Eye of uh, Gibson and Rogers, Gibson and Rogers, yes, Eye of Gibson. I'm still reading this. Yes. Uh, yeah, I um, you what you got? I see in the Gibson Eye that it is that match, <laughs> and I would have to say that the MVP of the night. <laughs> It's definitely not Dixie Dynamite. <laughs> I would have to say that it is the Guerrero. Uh, I'll keep trying to say Eddie, uh, Hector Guerrero. Because he said some baffling shit during that promo. <laughs> baffling enough where I had to look up if he spoke proper English. <laughs> the violin thing especially was magic. Yeah. Oh yeah, what? I didn't ask you. Who do you have for MVP of the evening? Um... I actually have uh, Buddy Landell's uh, fifth great-grandfather, who was Peter Scheip. Uh He was President George Washington's baggage master. Uh, baggage master. Yes. He was a bellboy? Uh, I think he was pretty much. That's uh, um, Jim Crockett, of course, helping uh, Landell pay his tax bills. 
Um, he is an accomplished musician. Um, no, he's not. He's a fucking piece of shit. Does Wikipedia not include that fact? He's an active reserve police reserve police officer. He's dead. <laughs> well, was like, since like ninety-eight till till two thousand fifteen when he was involved in a car crash. He was released from the hospital and returned to his home. His wife Donna found him dead the next day. Uh, the MVP of the mat, MVP of the show, or uh, uh, the corkscrew elbow drop. Sure, why not? Um, exactly. I'll, uh, we're we're trying this. to be. I'm, we're trying to. The MVP should be like booked, like the show is booked. <laughs> Fair enough. Like shit. I'll uh, I'll make it unanimous. Match of the night is the Eye of Gibson and Hustler Rip Rogers, just because it fucking has to be because that happened. Um, <laughs> MVP. I had a note here for that. Um, aside from Coddle fucking up all the time. Um, I actually went with Paul Orndorff for the new dickhead character. I thought he did it. He pulls it off pretty goddamn well. Like when he laughed about hurting the people yeah. and at least we not forget the border. Yeah. Guard. I was actually a fan of him <laughs> back in the day. I really fan was. because lying. of in ring or fan because of wanting to blow him. No, because he was never, if you really look at his face, he's not really an attractive. Okay. Man. A great body. Don't get me wrong. But um, yeah, I, I always thought he was great on the microphone and, his cute little uh, so I, buns. I don't know if this is good news or bad news, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys decide this. We have two more recording sessions until the Volunteer Slam. When do we okay. get the mummies and the turtles that you promised me? <laughs> like a year and a half. But, you know, I mean, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> 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 shit man <laughs> it's coming one of those things yeah eventually all right so that'll that'll wrap up this episode um as always we we welcome your feedback and uh, worship of the eye of gibson with us um over on twitter at project underscore rewatch uh facebook we're there too at the same thing project rewatch show at gmail.com if you want to email um some fucking threats of physical violence um i wouldn't blame you at all um you can follow me i'm on twitter um at project underscore rewatch or at crusty ruffles if one is so inclined and wants to be told to fuck themselves in all caps you can send something over to at cranky riv i don't know why you would do that uh wood twitter i have nothing to plug nothing, nothing to plug. plug no honest no want it no shut the fuck up if i wanted to bring it up i would have brought it up you cocksucker jesus uh, you like when i bring up the holocaust you like when I bring up the Holocaust? I'll bring it up every fucking episode. The you what? brought up him eating bacon before we were fucking the recording. Holocaust. Well, that's his own fucking fat fall. If he kept his fat greasy fingers from typing and that fucking <laughs> mutual message thing we got going, I'm at I'm at this fucking serious. I'm at a wake in fucking um uh, West Haven. It's like a forty minute drive from my house, but I had to go. And I'm just getting notification after notification. My nipples getting hard because it's rubbing the the. the vi- I put it on vibrate. Thank God. As he's sending like 50 messages to the group, it was no, it was actually hilarious because my nipple was getting hard because the vibration it was in my front pocket and it was rubbing up against my nipple. It was so great. See, I'm like your secret lover. I'm keeping you in a good mood and awake. See, yeah, nigga, that's what I'm talking about. Look, 
That's how it is. Remote control sex toys that people were getting spied on with and sued the company over. Well, that's a new thing. We covered that on our podcast at uh, robotbox.com, the Boomcast. We covered that. Uh, Big class action lawsuit. And you could read more about that if you have questions at Robot Boombox on Twitter. See what I did there? I'm getting good at this shit. Segways, yo. All right. Well, we will keep chugging along toward the volunteer slam and eventually things that are entertaining. Until next time, gentlemen.